Good afternoon. We call the meeting of the Liberal County Board of Commissioners to, to order. Mr. Brown, has the meeting been properly advertised? Yes, sir, it has. Thank you, sir. It's good to see those of you who are here in order. Some of you, we realize, have had to come back for the second time. Appreciate your patience in working with us, and especially those of you who are working with uh, Commissioner Jones. We appreciate that. Uh, let us stand down for our prayer and pledge of allegiance. Our Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you now for allowing us to come at this time. We ask that you would uh, give us leadership and guidance as we go through the business of uh, Liberty County. Bless those persons who are here. Bless those persons who are part of our county staff from all levels. We ask you to bless our countywide and certainly uh, those who are in the military who are serving in harm's way. And a special blessing among those who serve us right here locally at the 3rd Infantry Division. Uh, we ask you now that uh, as we go through this meeting, you would give us clarity, you would give us patience, you would give us insight. You might do us pleasing in that sight above all. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Pledge allegiance, allegiance to, to the flag of the United States, States of America, America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, Ready? We are expecting Commissioner Stevens, as far as we know, Commissioner Frazier is unable to be with us this evening. All right. We'll go right into our agenda. If there hadn't been any changes, uh, then the first item on our agenda, item 4A, is finance. Mr. Kim McLaughlin. So, um, I, I don't have a report for you. We have not finished closing the month of June, but Mr. Brown thought it was good if I just maybe came and gave a couple of little highlights of what we've got so far. Always good. And um, just to see if you have any questions. But we, we are still in the process of doing all the year-end accruals that we have to do for both expenses and revenue. So it's going to be a, at least another month before we get all of that information in and posted. Uh, at this time, I will remind the commissioners that there are any specific questions you may have for Ms. McLaughlin in the interim. Just please feel free to contact her at office. Uh, absolutely. And she'll be... Um, but I do want to share with you a couple of things. So the sales tax, the um, special purpose local option sales tax that we, that we received in June that represents May proceeds was over a million dollars again. Wow, again? Over a million dollars again. So that's like 252000 more than what we had budgeted to receive. So in total to date for the whole sales tax six program, we're about $2 million ahead of schedule. Wow. So it, wow. it's fantastic. Young folks say we can do some things with that. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, T-SPLOS came in at 941,000, which is $68,000 more than we had mm -hmm. budgeted to receive this month. Mm -hmm. So our sales tax is just doing phenomenal. Awesome. Um, General fund revenue so far, like I said, we have not finished uh, posting all of our accruals, but so far, without without even those accruals, we've already achieved 99% of our budgeted revenues. So we've received, um, we've collected over $38 million in total revenues. Um, our expenses, uh, to date, we've exhausted 93%. So we've got a little bit of a savings. Right now, um, we're at about $2.7 million to the good. Now, like I said, we are going to make some of those accruals, so I don't expect to end up that high, but I do believe that we'll probably end up contributing about $2 million to fund balance, which is fabulous. 
a million of that has to be attributable to that CARES money that we mm -hmm. received. It was over a million dollars. But other than that, it's really holding the line on mm -hmm. expenses that mm -hmm. made us achieve that. Um, you know, only only expensing so far about 93% of what we had mm -hmm. budgeted. That's 7% of our total budget that we didn't exhaust, didn't use. So we're doing pretty good. Um, and that's really all I have financially that I can share there. Like I said, we're, we end up holding the mm -hmm. month of June open while also running July and August. So we hold the month of June open. And, and so we've got two fiscal years open for the month of July and the month of August. And then we wrap things up and close the month of June and then do all of our reports. So in August, I hope to come before you with more, um, I hope we have everything closed by then, but if not, we'll go ahead and produce a report knowing that there still might be some tweaks. It's, it never fails. It seems like in August and in September, we still receive invoices and bills for items that pertain to June and prior, and we have to post those back to the fiscal year that they represent. But I do believe we will end up very well for the year. A question. Are you? Ms. Kim? Yes, sir. You remember a couple of years ago when I asked that the report reflects what department mm -hmm. had some savings? Yes, sir. Will when, this also reflect that this one that you, report that you're going to do now, will it do the same thing? Um, yes. So when I come before you in August, I will make sure that you see which departments had how much savings. Now, we just finished processing... Um, the last payroll of the year that had four days of June in it. We just finished processing that yesterday. So we were working today on getting that part of the accrual in. So there, all the expenses that I would run today don't have that kind of stuff in it right. yet. Right. But yes, I do expect that several of the departments will have savings and I'll provide that list <laughs> okay. so that you can see by department who saved what. And again, I wanna remind you, um, I love seeing the savings. However, right. when I see a, a budget that has, you know, two or three hundred thousand in savings, mm -mm. That's not I, I cringe because not basically good. you over budgeted and we had to set our millage rate too right. high for that. So mm -hmm. I, I like to see the department that comes in with three hundred dollars left. Right. There you go. Because <laughs> then I'm you're right on. Mm -hmm. Because the taxpayers has mm -hmm. has right. paid it and they won't get it back. Mm -hmm. Right. That's correct. <laughs> $300 is a scary place. It is a scary place. <laughs> it's a scary place. Been there, done that. <laughs> Mr. Chairman, um, yes, Kim, do we know what a meal is right now? Um, last year, it produced, uh, I want to say, $1.3 million. Somewhere in there. Somewhere in there. We, we don't have the mm -hmm. current year digest to know mm -hmm. what it will produce this year. But I thought it was somewhere around $1.3 Some, Somewhere in there. Countywide. Mm -hmm. 126, yeah, 1.26. Mm -hmm. It's close to 1.3 million. Okay. That was my question about the, did I just any word on no, when sir. we'll have anything? Okay. No, sir. Do, uh, we, do we then, I mean, spending it is a good thing, but rolling it back is also, because I may not, mm -hmm. I happen to be one of those, like some of my other colleagues here that have a city and the county. So, uh, you know, let's don't spend it until we know that we can may be able to give some back. But yes, sir. And, I, and all of the, I, I missed some of the presentations. How, where are we at with the Industrial Authority? They've already presented there, and we know what they're going to get this year. 
They always get two mils. Yeah, there's a, there, there, there's a set. Right, the, right, and that'll be, um, so you're saying you're gonna be 2.6 million? If that's what a mill generates. Mm -hmm. um, we, I don't know the exact dollar amount that a mill will generate this year, but my guess is probably somewhere around 2.4. I mean, by the time you take off your exemptions and your uncollectibles, Somewhere probably around 2.2, 2.4 million so would be my be guess. A, they, if, if that's true, they'll be at 4.8 on expected revenue at 100% collection. What does the hospital get, Ms. Kim? <clears throat> that is right. Uh, they at 3. Point, I forgot. I, I don't remember I off forgot. the top. I want to say 3.4 something. <clears throat> I could get that for you and I'll send it to it's you. In the three. And, and, and here's the reason why I asked that question. Because right now the EMS is rolling back to the county commissioners. We're gonna to have to absorb all of those employees' salary, that building, and which in the building was already always the responsibility of the county commissioners. But now we're gonna to have to take on all those employees and their benefits. And I was looking at the the millage that they were getting. I mean because now the county commissioners is going, our line item is going to go up higher and higher, hospital line item is going to come down lower, and are they going to be able to allow to keep that same millage that they've been getting all the time? I don't care if it's indigent care or whatever, but their responsibility is going to be reduced. That's just my throw out on that one. I, I just wanted to say on the on the EMS. I don't believe the hospital was paying their, their entity of their own, the EMS. So therefore, the EMS wouldn't be paying out the millage. The hospital wouldn't be paying those in. Well, they actually were. They, what was they, all they to were get? Doing, just like some you, of their solid waste. They, they, if you want to say it was set up a little bit different as a corporation, but it was it was almost like a fund that you have. Mm -hmm. The hospital was actually cash flowing the money to it, okay. getting back the revenues that it would achieve back through billing and everything, and then basically booking as a um, as a liability, the uncollectibles. Okay, so. Which was around 750 a year. 750, okay. Remember now, well, if EMS is not a money making. No, <coughs> no. Yeah. No, but it was part of their total expenses. That's what I thought. Mm -hmm. Was mm -hmm. um, the hospitals? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, everything but the, I mean, we, we bought the ambulance. The right. Transportation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So mm -hmm. we're, and we were looking at what, a hundred and something thousand? Uh, Seventy-five thousand. For each ambulance. Right. right. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I know what a meal's at pretty close. Just keep me posted on that. Yes, sir. I've got people asking <laughs> when yes, they're going to get tax cut. They, um, yeah. I, I, you know, everybody has kind of a theory about, you know, it's good to roll back and and you know we increased it last year and it, the only thing about rolling the millage rate back is um the next year <laughs> you might have to go back up and it's almost better if you hold it steady so you don't increase it but you just hold it steady mm -hmm. and and so the the millage rate won't change of course it they consider it a tax increase when you do that but um, if you hold it steady, then you do actually, um, you're able to budget a little bit better and 
I believe people are able to budget a little bit better because their taxes aren't going up and down, they're staying more even. Um, but again, I, I completely understand well, wanting to roll the, the millage rate back. The reason I'm mentioning that is you've got the lion's share of the growth is in the cities. Mm -hmm. and, and of course, that's what you get in your abalone and all on. So, but anyhow, thank you. And we're reminded the cities don't have the exemptions that we have to give. No, sir. Yeah. And and I live in the city, so I appreciate any rollback. Um, well, that's what I'm here for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Something to be said too about having a. <clears throat> you want to run a board that has a. I call it the rainy day fund. You call it none doesn't that you know. Well, you know, as long as we don't um, build up a fund balance that's exorbitant exactly. over. You know, your fund balance policy says to, to stay between three and seven months worth of operational expenditures in your undesignated and unreserved fund balance. And as long as you're within that window, I, th I think you're. Um, you're conservative and, mm -hmm. and you plan well. Mm -hmm. Now, if you were to get over that seven and eight months, then I would say, you know what, you, you, you should mm -hmm. roll it back because we don't need to build up the fund to that point. Right. So as long as we continue to mirror that policy and follow it, I think we'd be, we're good. Yeah, and remember we're gonna have those capital requests that are gonna pop up. Yes, sir. Um, you know, and you know, this budget that you approved you identified to use 780,000, I think it's 782 or 786,000 of fund balance to fund those capital things. So it's good that we're going to be adding to fund balance at the end of the year. Yeah, because yeah. there's been a lot of conversation and good conversation about uh, caring for our employees and their welfare. Mm -hmm. We don't want them working in hot buildings either. <laughs> Cold buildings either, so. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was difficult a few a, weeks ago. A driving raggedy. Uh, <laughs> equipment so let's keep all that in mind as we go forward but it's good to have a, a commission that's very thoughtful of the people and very thoughtful about being good stewards of the people's money that's that's, that's an asset i can recall commissioner if you were here those of you who came home when my first year we were elected mm -hmm. uh i think we had to have a line of credit uh, yeah, from the did. bank because the, the fund balance has gotten they had used fund balance <laughs> yeah. from consecutive years yeah. to balance the budget yeah. and it got to the point where yeah. we just we just I, I don't want to go back there. Mm -hmm. no. I don't want to go back there. How many years we did that? Two years? At least a, mm -hmm. at least at two. Years, two. I well that was back mm -hmm. in at least two. Ooh, we're about to take up all from them under commissions. When <laughs> Chairman MacGyver mm -hmm. Chairman MacGyver yeah, uh, his first year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. first year. Whatever year they were. I remember. Two thousand eight. Two thousand and four, no? Have I been up here? 2003, maybe. Huh? Yeah. Three years? There's a two or three. I thought it was two. I home. think it was two or three. Yeah. I can't two remember. Two or three. But yeah. We may have been elected in two and took office in three. And but took so. office in three. That's what I think happened. Mm -hmm. yes. you, correct. You sign it, don't you? You enjoy it. <laughs> 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 thank you, Mr. Moore. Thank you, Mr. McGuire. Okay. Thank you. Right. Yes. Just email me or call me if you have any other questions. Thank you so much. All right. All right. Engineering, Mr. Brandon Purcell. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, he's back. <laughs> you don't, you just sit over there. <laughs> How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Yeah. I was out last week, regular mm -hmm. meeting on last week, and that's why Brandon was here last week. Okay. And so, um, did a great job for us and try to get him to do it more often. <laughs> um, anyhow, the drought study we got going on for the uh, ISO review, we're getting really close to wrapping that up. So we've got all the ponds measured. Most of the reports are underway and just about finished. So we should have that finished shortly. 
Allen's Highway box culvert. Uh, we're getting some answering some questions for FEMA uh, on that, so we should have those answered up, and we'll know a little bit more about when we're going to get that money soon. Um, the Tradeport West EMS building, and uh, we've been working on that site. And I think that next month the architect is going to try to uh, bring some plans to you so you can see what those look like. Um, we ended up doing some workman's comp, finding some certificates uh, for some of the counties reporting. Uh, Becky Street and Olive Street. Now, put on your desk today, this was not included in my report, so I'm not looking for a, a, a motion on this tonight unless you guys want to do something. Um, but I'll go ahead and tell you so you have the information um, and we can look at it at the next meeting or whenever you want to. Um, for the Becky Street. And is it, is it time sensitive at all? No, sir. No, sir. Well, Commissioner Giller, we'll, uh, it's Commissioner we'll, Giller's time. We'll, we'll lean to <laughs> We could as long as we, you know. He, he's the driver. Okay. All right. So uh, we received uh, bids. The lowest bid was from uh, Siddle Construction at $9,258.02, um, which is less than the money that we had set aside. So that was well within budget. So um, I encourage you to look at those and let me know which way you want to go on that. Um, and if uh, you want to, I'd like to have this on the meeting at least next month so I can go ahead and award the contract to the contractor. That's fine. So uh, take a look at that. Um, Middle Park Fire Station. Uh, we've gone over the plans. I think a lot of the uh, emergency staff has plans. They're looking at them, going through them. Uh, we're going to get those back from them shortly. We have a few site planning changes we want to make as part of the review. And uh, as soon as we get those, uh, we're trying to have completed plans back on that uh, early September. Um, that's what the goal is between the whole team, the architect, and all the, the subs on that. Um, the Middle Park Recreation Park improvements. Um, the plans of that are 100% ready. I gave you guys uh, last month a copy of the, uh, well, I gave you in this proposal a copy of the uh, cost estimate of where that's going to be. Um, I'm ready to go out and get bids for that, and I'll put it in the paper if you want me to, um, to go ahead and get the real prices and know where we're going. I think we guys are going to share in some of the cost for that. But if, if everybody's okay, I'll go ahead and get that in the paper probably next week or Maybe week after next work shows up in the paper because I, I might miss the deadline with the invitation. Mr. Chair. <coughs> Commissioner Stevens. Mr. Long, earlier we were talking about a price of about. Yes, sir. About 400000 <laughs> Now we're looking at $1 million too. Well, the 400000 didn't have the shelter in it, and so this has a shelter in it. And uh, some of the prices that we had on the four hundred was they were older prices and what we did is we went back and updated everything to our current prices and this is kind of where we're hitting right now when i saw how much it was compared to the old i was you too. okay and i hope to goodness that i'm the high better i hope that this comes out <laughs> like yeoman's road yes <laughs> me too okay remember yeoman's road was almost a million and we wound up to Six seventy, right? Six, six seventy-five, somewhere along in there. Yeah. I don't want to under budget. Right. But I'd like to go out and get real prices. Okay. Mr. Chair, also, if this comes out like it is, maybe we have to do a phase. Mm -hmm. Phase it in. Phase a phase one and a phase mm -hmm. two. I don't want to go to a phase three. Mm -hmm. We can do a phase one and a phase two. Okay. The Perfect. oldest park in Liberty County, mm -hmm. and the worst looking one. Yes, sir. I understand. 
Okay. It'll look nice when we're all said and done. Well, thank you. With the fire station sitting across the street. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. That's going to be a nice little uh, complex or community complex down there. With a new renovated convenience center sitting in the middle of it. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> it's really going to look good. <laughs> so, all right, Yeoman's Road, the contractor's out there working. Uh, some curb and gutters down. We're getting ready to get some stone down. Um, so that's, prog that's progressing well. Um, now, we, we, I'm saying this so that you guys, if you get phone calls or people ask you questions. <clears throat> so we've had several people since we started this. When we started, we had dirt driveways um, on a lot of these residents. And what we had in our construction plans is a dustpan driveway where we pave out about five feet behind the curb and it looks like a dustpan. Mm -hmm. That's what we have in the contract. But a lot of people have gone out and then they've paved right up to the edge of the the uh, right of way. So, you know, in theory, they're, you know, we're what I told my inspectors is we're going to do what's in our contract because it's going to throw us way over budget if we go and we start adding all this extra concrete. And uh, what we're telling the folks is if you want to, we're, we're replacing. What was there before, we were replacing. If there was concrete before, we were replacing with concrete. Right. Um, so if they want a contract with a contractor to pave that little section between the dustpan and where they stock their concrete, that's great. I'm all in favor of it, but I'm trying not to include that in our contract. So if you get that question, that is what I'm trying to tell everybody because it's a cost control for us. Um, there is one driveway that we are doing a little bit more concrete on it's a new facility and the way their driveway comes out to one of our catch basins the way it's got to get shaped i can't avoid that i can't take that out i can't right. take the chance to let somebody else do that i've got to make that work right. so there is one driveway we'll be doing a little bit more than the others but that's just because the way his driveway hits the catch basin okay. and it's john hodge's house Okay, mm -hmm. that's one of the new ones, right? It's a new one. Well, but I, I told him where to stop with his concrete so that I had room to make the transition that I need to make to my catch basin. Okay. So that's information for y'all because I know you guys get questions from people all the time. That way, if somebody says something to you, you know what's going on. Palm Drive and Point South Drive, those are out for bid right now. Um, we should be getting bids on those two weeks. Um, working on the Fleming Road uh, traffic control speed hunt. Um, still got to go through the city Hansel process. Um, got some exhibits waiting on uh, some appraisals on the public works improvements. And uh, Recreation Department ADA accessibility, they've already started. Um, I think they're doing Stafford Park right now. Some things over there, a few things over there. So, and what we've done is we've coordinated with Jimmy on when he's got events at which park so that we don't interfere with anything he's got rented out or we don't cause him any trouble. But that that's going well so far. And that's it for me right now. Uh, yeah. Yes, sir. Trent, what's the, did you tell me the other day that the two feet widening on Bill Cotter Road was within that price? Yes. It was? So. Do you recall how much I didn't bring that with me? You recall? I didn't bring it back either. <laughs> okay. 
But I can get it. I mean, I can get it again for you. Was it, was it over a million dollars? No, it was under a million dollars. Mr. Chair, you don't remember, do you? Mm-mm. I don't remember. Yeah, I, I remember that's the one he left out and went and brought it back to us. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, that. I remember the number. I, I, I just can't remember the number. Mm -mm. It was less than a million dollars. And really, I'd like to expedite that project if possible and probably look at look at the T-splosh. So we could go ahead and, and put a package together and get it ready to go out for bids and get some numbers on that if you would like us to. Do it. Mr. Stevens, I've got a question about your part down there. Mr. Chairman, if you'll. I will. Um, I, I know wanted to help with this project, but I'm a little concerned, Trent, that your handicap, how many space, I see you got park improvements total, and then you've got baseball areas, but how many handicap spots have you got there? It appears that there's just going to be maybe two spots at the baseball field and two at the... No, what you're, the number you're looking at for the handicap, those are ramps that doesn't necessarily affect the number of handicapped parking spaces. No, I'm, that's what Basically, I'm looking at. If you've got, I'm looking at one of them there that says handicap sign is two. Yes. Okay, and then you've got handicap ramps, and then you've got handicap parking yes. space stripe in one. So how many? We already have some handicap spaces out there. So we've well, got two out there. I think we're adding two more, which uh, gives us equivalent of 100 parking spaces that's required. 100 parking spaces? Basically, basically the, there is a ratio and there is a guide to figure out how many parking spaces you need in relation to the number of overall parking spaces. And basic rule of thumb is one for every 25 parking spaces. So every 25th parking space needs to be a handicapped spot. So I think when we're said and done, I gotta go back and count them again. That's not a number I, I keep on my mind. But what we did is we counted all the parking spots and we made sure we had enough parking spaces in there uh, for handicap. And with the existing signs that we have and the new, these are the things that we were looking at trying to do. That, there, there should be a set of plans in there and I can get you another set of plans if you wanna look at it. Well, we, um, I went and looked at the ones at James Brown Park. Of course, you know, you've got a number of fields there Yes. And I know that at any given time, you have 350 or 400 vehicles there, and you can figure that at least 30 of those vehicles in there, there's handicap, and I'm, we don't have that many spots there. Now, we're, if we're going to build a place like that. Well, we um, can certainly look at converting some to handicap. I, mean, I think, that's really I think we need to, I mean, they'll have to be wider, and we need to, let's look at that beforehand and on your entrance road improvements I don't know if you have looked at it but you your entrance road improvements you've got um, you know your your pipe and uh, it, all the way up to the top you've got eight inch six inch and a fire hydrant and all but the, shouldn't we would be able to take the entrance road improvements out of that that's going to service two different things ain't it it's going to service the park and the convenience center it does. It's so what are we, we need to differentiate what may come out of recreation and what may come out of something different. 
I can understand we can do the whole part, but we've got two different apples there. Uh, you've also got the desail lane, yes. and we've got T-splosh. Um, yes, sir. I don't. I mean, I know it. It may be a. a it, uh, Kim's going. Well, she's already gone. She's going to be the one deciding on it. But uh, you've just got three different things along with the park. I understand we ought to have the park contained in a bid. And then if you want to bid them all together, too, I just don't want to have. Commissioner um, Walden, I, you're, you're right on track uh, with that. And one of the reasons we did break this down was so that it gave us the opportunity to look at funding sources differently so that we knew what prices went with what sections. So we, we broke it out just for the same reasons that you're asking. So we're still looking at the dollar amount that we talked about earlier and then these other ones will be added in it, but you're going, you're going to try to still do it as one lump. Yes, sir. I'm putting it out as one. One uh, bid. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Get a better price. We'll go back out there and we get that price and sort through those funding sources for you, to the max mm -hmm. that we can. Right. We'll give you those broken out. I mean, I don't think we ought to be taking all sales tax if we can use T-splash money on it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, 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 I, and maybe some solid waste fund money. Oh, you can use some solid right. waste funding to pay for that road. Do what? Use some solid solid waste funding. Well, yeah. I mean, I, yep. Also, mm -hmm. we we just there's two. Uh, I've already heard where the pot's at, and we don't even have the pot. <laughs> mm -hmm. Spread the wealth. Well, <laughs> I just think that we need to divide it up. Now that's just me. And I will tell you also one of the prices that we did notice. Um, you know, our last pavilion we built was $222,000 mm -hmm. and um, when I broke down the square foot price and then looked at what we were just receiving on square foot prices for buildings um, we were falling way behind <laughs> that so I upped the square foot price on this building by like one and I mean it's 340 something thousand isn't that what I have in there um, the building was 300 yeah $336,000 is in the pavilion which is higher than what we had before mm -hmm just because of the increase in the square footage costs that we're seeing now. So, you know, right off the bat, $110,000 add-in, just like that, because of the price of the building. Same same prototype. Same building. Yeah. Same building. Yeah. Everything. Same grading around it. Same thing. We're going to change the color on it. <laughs> well, yeah, that works. Yeah, we change the color. Ms. Chairman, whenever... Mm -hmm. I don't know if this is an action item or not, but we were going to come back and then the 1.2 million, you're going to divide it out as to what pot it's coming out of. Is some of it coming out of recreation and then? Well, we will. I mean, we have we'll to vote back. on it we'll all, see, we'll but. Come back and right. we'll see, yes, come back and Once we get the price, I'll go in and mm -hmm. search all the, we've already looked, but search back how much is available from those other sources y'all right. talking about. Right. Uh -huh. bring you back the option. How much? Okay. Right. All right. Okay. All right, so we'll be glad to put that out. All right, that's it for me. All right, sir. I, I have a question. Oh, go ahead. Frank, um, on your next uh, monthly report, <clears throat> if you can just um, put one of your bullets on here uh, to talk about the Walthyville um, road Walthyville Ridge. Yeah. Yeah, I, I haven't got anything back from Larry on that yet. Yeah. Um, we, yeah. We, we probably need to talk to Larry about that. I talked to Larry every day about it, and he said that, um, <laughs> that you got everything you need. <laughs> that I got everything I need? That's what he told me. I, 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 mean, I talked to him 
He works out there with me, and that's, and that's what he said. I gave him all the letters he needs to put on city letterhead and get to us. Yeah, okay. We'll catch him. We'll, we'll catch him. I hope he's listening. <laughs> <laughs> he called me today. I didn't get a chance to talk to him, but he called me earlier today. He didn't mention that, though, did he? No, well, he and I didn't get to talk. He called me in the middle of a meeting, and I couldn't answer the phone at the time. Yeah, but just, just put it on your, on your report so that we'll. Okay, I appreciate it. Okay. Commissioner Gay, you want us to put the Otter Street and Baker Street on the August? The regular, yeah. the regular yeah. meeting. Okay. The, the, the Walter Bill Roads. You want a regular meeting or you want it in mid-month? No, um, the Walterville Road will be on the, the mid-month meeting, uh, on, on your report. But the Olive Street and um, Baker Street, we're going to do that in first Tuesday. regular meeting. Yeah. First meeting in August. Okay? I'm good with that. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you. Thanks, sir. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you. LCPC. <laughs> oh, Ms. Sanchez coming first. Good afternoon. Hello. So I'm here to present the um, Alder Grove subdivision preliminary plat for phases one and two. This was um, zoned as a PUD under the name Jeffers Tract. It's on Isle of Wight Road. The developer is Dryden Enterprises, MESAC Engineering Design. The project It is a total of 138 lots for single-family dwellings on 49.15 <coughs> acres. This is the vicinity map. Isle of Wight is here, Oglethorpe, 95. And the entire holdings of Dryden Enterprises is what's outlined in red here. Phases one and two are what's below the green line. This is a future phase is up in the northern part of the property. This was a conceptual plan for the Jeffers Tract PUD uh, zoning. Um, Isle of Wight here again, and phase one and two is basically this lower area right here. So getting into more specifics of the overall plan, um, I've outlined phase one in orange. There are approximately, there are, are 58 lots in phase one, and there are 80 lots in phase two. The, re, um, oh, didn't mean to, the, um, Phase one does wrap around phase two because there's drainage in here that they're, they're gonna be putting in in order to serve phase one, and it will serve phase two as well. Um, some other things to note about this plat. There are two common areas right at the entrance. Those were required to be left open for site distance, um, to have adequate site distance as they exit onto Isle of Wight Road. These are just over 6,000 square feet each. There's another one here that's just under 15,000 square feet for, and it's common area that will be dedicated to the HOA. The blue areas are the five drainage ponds. They total about 10.6 acres. And there is a pump station tract here. The water and sewer will be served by the city of Midway, so that tract will be dedicated to the city. And then there is a secondary emergency access provided here. This is Jane Street. It has a 40-foot right-of-way, not the standard 60, and what's provided here is also a 40-foot right-of-way. And that's permissible? I, the, the plans were reviewed and approved by, by Trent Long. It's a secondary exit. It's not, it's not meant for full-time use of the residence. I understand. I'm just thinking that, you know, yes. that we talked last meeting about long-term. Is that going to be something that we're have to live with, uh, 
who, who's a guru on? It's actually here. Trent, the, the normal right of way we get for paving of a road, though, is we're going to require at least 60 feet. Mm -hmm. For the sake of consistency, I wish you would, sir. Yeah, yeah. And long-term planning. Tell me, I hear Commissioner Walden in my ear. Years from now, when that road is no longer a secondary, but becomes another primary, <clears throat> or could become. If you will, Mr. Sack. Thank you. Um, also on that right there, Mr. Chairman, when. Are you the engineer on it, Marcus? So, <laughs> on the secondary road, you come to the mic. It'll be probably. Yeah, it'll probably come to the be mic. a. Uh, that'll be trucks going in and out, or will that be for the residents? Is that going to be for construction, or? It's it's only going to be for emergency right now. We're actually going to put a gate up um, and, and give the keys over to emergency personnel. That's the plan. Um, we'll, we'll kind of work through that as we go. The main reason, well, the two reasons, the PUD was approved with the one entrance that we discussed way mm -hmm. back when. I remember. Um, the ordinance clearly states that a secondary entrance is required in an, in an attempt to um, meet the ordinance without having to do a variance. We're putting this emergency access there. Um, Trent also made a great point that that road has come up in a lot of different discussions for paving. Um, and it had some nuances to it that made it difficult. So um, in doing this and some other things that we're going to do on phase three, we're hopeful that we'll help that road be paveable in the future. Did that answer your question? That was a long answer to it. Well, my question was going to be when, when and if y'all use it, the uh, construction or whatever, it'll be maintained by who? I mean, when the, when the road gets beat out, that'll be... Mr. Dryden's bunch that'll grade it back to get it to spec, or what, will that be left up to us? Once construction's over? Right. Um, so right now we're showing just a, a small, do we have a zoom in on that? I don't guess we do. We're just kind of showing a, a stub out going in that direction. Okay, I got you. Um, but it would probably be a good idea to at least do GAB all the way to the property line to where the gate is. I got you. But it would be, that right of way will be dedicated to the county once it's turned over final plan. It will be dedicated to the county, but it's going to be unpaved. The, that last portion, that connection portion, will be unpaved, right? Mm -hmm. the, the entirety of that street is unpaved, I believe. Mm -hmm. Let me say this to the board. We don't need another issue like what we have in Riceboro, I mean in um, Midway. Now, Mr. Chairman, you're aware of what I'm talking about, where the road is supposed to be just a utility easement and going down um which one miss uh yeah since you i'll let you call the name <laughs> the martin property oh we don't need another issue like that one okay yeah yes sir yes sir definitely no so we did this um Hoping that we were helping the county. Looks mm -hmm. like we're causing some some issues in our in our attempt to do that. So uh, we're not causing issues. You cause us to think yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ahead. Um, uh, so you say the real rules going to be you going to it's going to be gated closed. So, so yeah. I understand that. But that, but that's Jane Street you called it. So that's, that's a road that's been there obviously. It's un, unpaved. It's a dirt road. Okay. 
All right. I'm with that. But my thing is, if it should in the future become another exit, which would be a good thing for that neighborhood, you know, then we we needed to meet county specs so that we could yep. do what we have to do. So hope that's not causing you too much pain and consternation, my friend. Uh, it, it's pretty easy for me to change the lines on that piece of paper, you know, Mr. Right. Dryden. Okay. I have to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not that easy okay. to change the lines either at this point. Yeah. But um, we'll look at making it wider. Um, okay. Or is is it the will of the, the board to pave it as well to the property line? With my engineer. So if you will, this is not a public session at this point, uh, the, but I will say this, the discussions you're making, we had all that. The rezoning. Yeah, several months ago. So we kind of went through what you're talking about. So if, so if you want to talk to Mr. Sack after the meeting, that'd be fine, or uh, or Mr. Mr. Long, that's quite all right. But those, but those same things that you brought up, we went through all that when this first came before. So yeah, point, point well taken, point well taken. Uh, Mr. Chairman, I have one more, one more question. What was the width that you already have drawn us? We matched the existing right-of-way at 40. The existing is 40. Yes, yes, Okay. Well, hold on then. So that whole road is only at 40? Correct. That's about it's right. It's already 40? And all of James Creek is just 40. Yeah, all, all of the existing right-of-way is 40, so we matched the existing right-of-way at 40. Oh. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. You said James Street is 40? 40 with carbon gutter, right? 40. Urban gutter is it? Just, road, that's what I thought. Yeah, that's the reason it's 40. Okay. So, so uh, all the roads inside the subdivision are 60. They all mm -hmm. have urban gutter. They're all paved. Okay. The section we're talking about is this little piece of James Street. Uh -huh. So what Marcus was saying is he's going to look at trying to go ahead and get it to 60. Mm -hmm. and talk to mm -hmm. riding about paving that section. Mm -hmm. We'll have the 60. In the mm -hmm. I understand. But right now it's, excuse me. It is okay. shown that way. As, it's shown as 40. As shown, it's 40. Okay, because I would think if you're going to widen it, then you're going to take some away from we would those shift, properties. We would shift that, the lots okay, all right. Oh. Yeah, shift them around. <laughs> but 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 I just want to be fair to you guys. Yeah. You know, if if Jane Street is on that 40, and certainly if we paved it now, you said we could pave it with so urban gutter with. We did our paving plans for Jane Street. Uh -huh. We were doing it within a 40 foot right. Were you? That kind of changes we my. Going back and asking for more right away down. Hmm. Stop James Street was being able to get a drainage outlet on the other end to get James Street to drain. Mm -hmm. to drain it and kind of working with them on trying to make sure we have some opportunities to buy that a building. Okay. Okay. Well, that's kind of changing. Yeah, that's kind of changing thought pattern too. Having to yeah. Yeah. go to 60. Yeah, when Jane was 40, you could be curbed and gutted and paid. Being 40, then you meet some requirements. Okay. Okay. All right. Originally for utilities. All right. 
probably a lot harder. All right. We'll still ask you to consider that, sir. We'll certainly. <laughs> yeah. Do a few more slides. Um, so the development standards for this uh, subdivision are, uh, they have four different lot types. They range in a minimum lot size from 4,500 to 8,000 square feet. The widths, you can see, range from 40 to 80, and the rear uh, setbacks are range 50 to 20. All the lots have to meet the standards that are listed below with a minimum lot width depth, I'm sorry, of 80 feet, front setback of 15, side setback of five, but a minimum side separation between buildings of 14 feet, which of course means if one building is set back five from its property line, the next building has to be set back nine feet in order to get the 14 feet between them. So this is um, a layout of where those uh, lot types are scattered or uh, how they're developed around the, the subdivision. The green ones along the main road, which is what you want, you want the larger lots there, so you have fewer driveways of people backing in and out of on this road, which will continue into the future phase. And um, you have the patio lots down here, you have the smaller single family lots here, and you have four of the executive lots at 8,000 square feet. This is kind of gives you just a, a little bit more of a zoom in of the features that I've just presented, although I've outlined the lot types as opposed to color them in. Um, and it probably doesn't really show too much better, but there is the apron that um, Marcus was talking about putting in on that emergency access right there. And this is the other half of the, of the preliminary plat. Again, colored in the pump station lot there, the emergency secondary access <coughs> there. Line charts, this is part of the official preliminary plat, which you can't read because it's small. Um, so the dedications to the county will include 1.14 miles of streets. Road A is that main one that will continue in to the future phase. Road 2 is the one that dips down below on the southern side of the property. That too will intersect with A and continue into the second into the future phase. Uh, road C is the middle middle road, and then Road D will continue in on to the future phase and the emergency access, which is 115 feet. Uh, there are drainage easements for the functional maintenance of those four drainage ponds and culverts and flumes are dedicated to the county as is the stormwater system within the streets rights of way which curbs the, uh, includes the curb inlets and culverts and other infrastructure within the right of way. As mentioned, the city of Midway will be providing the water and sewer systems and those are the dedications that will be made to the city of Midway including that one pump station tract of 5,800 square feet. And the dedications to the HOA include those green, uh, those three green space tracks of 0.63 acres and the, the detention ponds of over 10 and a half acres. This was before the um, Planning Commission, I think it was last month or two months ago, um, and they recommended approval with standard conditions for the preliminary plat of Alder Grove subdivision phases one and two. And I'd be happy to answer any questions if you have any more. In my, uh, this, your district, sir. Yeah, well, I hear, hear all the stuff about dedication to the county, dedication to the county. <laughs> it kind of bothers me just a little bit because I know in one district, I sent an email to, to Commissioner Jones the other day about another issue down there where it was dedicated to the county and they caught the devil trying to get back in to fix a what was that, about a 36-inch pipe, I think it was, 
a while back. And that's why I say I'm concerned about all this dedication to the county. I think the POA did go back in and fix it. I think Mr. Long, after some pressure, was applied. And I don't have a problem applying the pressure to anyone because I can't see taxpayers' money going out to repair something like that. Um, I call it private property. The streets out there that I sent the email to Commissioner Jones with right now is already, the streets are falling apart. And I'm just saying that to let everybody know I'm not against building, but if we're gonna build it, we need to build it right. Not where that in two years from now, they're gone and it comes back to the county. Well, point well taken, sir. Now this is the Alder Grove subdivision preliminary plats phase one and two is up for uh, approval from the county. Yeah, I'll make a motion that we go ahead and <clears throat> accept that. Okay, is there a second? Second. Motion and second been made. I think all the comments have been heard. Once again, to echo what Commissioner Stevens said, we appreciate Mr. Dryden, Marcus, and your help with in investing in unincorporated Liberty County. Others too have done that. We really appreciate that. And uh, we just ask that you do it well, the best of your ability, so that all of us in the day are proud of what we, what we do. Mr. Chairman, before we um, vote on this, and um, there was discussion that we had about the road, and I wanted to talk to Commissioner Stevens about that, but I, I'm assuming that that road would be open for, uh, the city of Midway is gonna provide the water, but now fire protection will be provided by us because they de-annexed that, correct? Right. Mm -hmm. So that road, Jane Lane, we'll be able to access that would, in case the main road is, is the entrance is in bad shape, we'll be able to come through that road, Marcus, with a tanker truck then or whatever needs to be. Okay. Carol. All right. Thank you. That's all I have, Mr. Chairman. All in favor, please raise your right hand to approve. Those opposed? All right. Look forward to it, Marcus. Mr. Gandhi, how are you? All right, how you doing? Good. Good. All right, so I am bringing back a uh, motion that y'all tabled at the regular meeting uh, earlier this month. So I'll just run back through uh, what we're doing here. This is the proposed special exception, uh, 2021 LC for Mr. David Cheney. Uh, he is the owner of this property and he has submitted a request for a special exception to live temporarily for no more than one year in a motor coach on his property at 97 East 1st Street. Uh, that property is further described as parcel 281B45, and it is zoned R2 for single and two-family residential. It is located in District 4. Um, just a note that y'all did vote to table this item until this meeting for further consideration. So uh, again, here's one picture, and I've got some others later as well of the property. There is the motor coach in question, and uh, it is hooked into uh, power and such right there. Um, this is the freestanding accessory building uh, garage that I will show you on the map. So we are on uh, Isle of Wight Road here, uh, coming all the way down towards the end. And of course, this is First Street running along the water here. I'm just showing you this is zoned R2, as is everything else around it. 
So here is a close-up of the property. Uh, as I mentioned, there is the accessory building, uh, the detached garage, just to orient yourself, is the road. Uh, this is about where the motor coach is sitting, like right about here. Uh, there used to be a home here, and um, it was mostly destroyed by a hurricane earlier, and then uh, Mr. Cheney got clearance to uh, get rid of the rest of it, but he can talk about that when he's up here. Uh, let's see here. Oh, and uh, just to, to clarify uh, again, uh, R2 zoning, and actually uh, none of our residential zonings allow for um, people to live in a, a camper or motor coach on a, an individual lot like that. Uh, we do, of course, have that you know RV park uh, ordinance we passed a little bit ago, but uh, R2 zoning does not allow for that typically, so that's the point of our special exception. So uh, narrative. I, David Cheney, uh, very respectfully request a special exception for my motor coach uh, located on my property in Midway. This request is being submitted for a period not to exceed one year. I am a 100% disabled veteran and have encountered significant financial hardship during the last few years because of Hurricane Matthew and Hurricane Irma. Now the COVID-19 pandemic has completely stopped any progress within the SBA Disaster Assistance Office. I have approved SBA Disaster Assistance loan, yet I am unable to collect these monies to begin construction because of the COVID-19 backlog. Also, the unprecedented increase in lumber prices has delayed the distribution of my funds as per my case manager at the SBA. So uh, another picture a little bit closer up. These, this is the uh, rubble of the demolished house, which is still on the property. Um, there is the motor coach, as I mentioned, and you can see a bit of the garage there as well. Um, and then just another angle on the property. You can see the water is right over this way. And uh, this is where the motor coach is sitting. Um, so our planning commission considered this at their uh, June meeting and uh, recommended approval for the special exception. Um, and again, y'all voted to uh, table that and reconsider it at this meeting. So if y'all have any other questions for me? I had a question, yes, Mr. Chairman. The, the rubble, so there's no home on it now? Is there is no home on that property right now, no ma'am. So it, it was completely destroyed, I guess, with those two hurricanes? and. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that's standing is the garage. Uh, so. to, to my understanding, Mr. Cheney, it was uh, mostly demolished by the hurricane, but Mr. Cheney got clearance to fully demolish it because it was kind of like rubble at that point. Um, he can probably answer that question a little better. I was just wondering about the rubble. A lot of folks would be complaining about, or the, the county getting called about that trash being piled up like that. Uh, yes, we have. I know that's not why we're here tonight about it, but. Yes, ma'am. Um, we, yeah, that, that has been the concern of uh, one or two people that have called, so. Okay. Mr. Chairman. Yes, sir. How are you, Mr. Gandhi? Doing all right. How are you doing? Um, good. Um, what measuring stick, I guess, or guidelines do you usually use when you decide on approval, on a variance, or denial? Mm -hmm. So this is a, a specific sort of case because this is a uh, this is not a variance. It's not a conditional use. This is a different category of special exception, and we actually don't have any anything outlined in the ordinance for criteria, basically for this. Um, this is kind of, and and to that note, I should mention that our staff did did not make a recommendation for it because we had no criteria to consider for you. Um, the planning commission, however, the commissioners made this just based on. Um, you know, judgment call, essentially. So that's where the recommendation came from. But no, we have no uh, specific written criteria for you to fall back on like we do with the <coughs> conditional use. And have you been uh, contacted by any of the residents from this uh, community for or against? 
Uh, I have. I have personally received, I think, calls from three different neighbors who were uh, against the idea. Um, I believe some of the folks here in the commission have received other notes from <laughs> as well. Yes, um, I guess that being the district that I represent, I've gotten uh, several phone calls, several emails. Um, I've met Mr. Cheney recently, and um, I understand the hardship part of his request for the continuation. Um, we've, the continuation is a recommendation <coughs> for a year. Yes, sir, we're, we're giving it that. Uh, that is part of the recommendation, essentially, is that this would last only a year. <coughs> um, and then at that point, uh, if he wanted to continue living in a motor coach, he would have to come back here and do the same process for you, would uh, be the idea. So the year is for him living in the RV? Yes, sir. So that's the only thing that the year time limit pertains to? Yeah, it's not related to that rubble or anything like that. It's literally just how long he can live in that RV as his primary residence. And if he were to build another primary residence there and keep the RV on the property, that wouldn't he would be able to do that for longer than that, too. That's just for him to utilize the RV as the primary residence for the property. Uh, so it has nothing to do with the length of time that he has to rebuild his uh, property, the home that was destroyed. This is just for the usage of the RV. Uh, yes, sir, technically. But, I mean, if he wanted to avoid having to do this special exception again in a year, he would have to build some sort of new home, like, you know, on-site home in that year. And uh, I'm just, well, of course, everyone know that I'm new to the board, so uh, the last six months I've just recently got involved with this um, project. Uh, the folks that have been contacting me, but I understand that it has been going on prior to this request. Um, have we granted a special request for this uh, condition before? No, sir. Um, he's been living in the RV for some time. Uh, the only reason this came before us is because it was reported to your uh, inspector's office and kind of end up having to go through the motions here. So, uh, no, he was, he's been in there for, for a little bit. He can probably tell you exactly how long, but. I think that's the better answer to your very first question. If I may paraphrase it, what all started this, that was the, the RV being on, on his property and the neighbors complained and he, and Mr. Chain did not have permission or a, a, a permit. Or, yeah, uh, a, a special mm -hmm. permit. Yes, <clears throat> there was no, no permit for him to, to place the RV there. So that's kind of how it all started. Okay. Yeah, that's that's the that's the that's what gave it. What's the word? Um, attention Push. to the county. Yeah. Yeah. Then that brought it to magistrate court, and magistrate said, "Well, if you're going to need an exception, <laughs> go to LCPC yes. and mm -hmm. the county." So that's kind of how it worked his way back here. Okay. But it stopped because he did not have a permit to have the RV there. Okay. Yeah. That was the county's first mm -hmm. um, opportunity to address it. Yeah, and yeah, just to clarify, our, the county did not grant a, a, like a building permit to live in the RV in the mm -hmm. first place or anything like that. Yeah. Is uh, Mr. Cheney or anyone else going to speak on? Well, we did that all last time. Okay. Uh, but he's, Mr. Cheney is here, so, uh, you know, but I, I, I only wonder if I may just do, let him do like a three minute okay. so we don't go on and on. We don't, we don't want to go on. Yeah, cause we, we don't all this last time. Mr. Cheney, you don't come, and then, sir, you'll come follow. Mr. Cheney is a petitioner. Okay. Okay. 
I'm David Cheney. I live at 97 East 1st Street in Midway, or used to anyway. The pile of rubble there is, is not, it's, it's building materials. Uh, the rubble went to the county dump. There, there's not any trash or anything like that. That are, that's foundational concrete and everything else like that. That is going to be used to construct something known as a living shoreline. The living shoreline is something I've spent a considerable amount of money and it is a way to move forward so you don't have to put bulkheads. It is the best practices as far as anything goes in the US. I mean, that's the standard now and it's being done in a lot of places. I've already paid up to $15,000 to keep that right there building products. That will be used to be placed in front of the home on the riverside and it will be reseeded with, uh, with uh, uh, Spartina grass and they'll also redo it with oyster shells. And uh, it's just the best way after checking to go. That's what that's about right there. And let me, I, this has gone on way too long. Uh, we would agree. No doubt about it. We would agree. Uh, it, it's gone on way too long. This is the plans that I received. I have plans, and I also had a building permit for another property down here already, and already paid the, the $540 or whatever to the county for that building permit. Uh, I ran into deals with the SBA, which is very slow. The SBA lady said they have a backlog of 18 million people. I just spoke to the, the, the lady yesterday. This is very close to being done. If this is not done, I'm not going to come before this board again. But that pile of rubble there is clean trash, and it's going to be used to construct what is the bulkhead in front of the property that was was destroyed during Matthew and Irma. And hurricane, and the last thing is, is COVID has been extremely disruptive into the whole process. I think any of y'all can ride by on an 84 out here. Go look at the Chevrolet place. Y'all see any trucks on the lot? You see any trucks on the lots at, at the Ford place? It has disrupted this country. It's disrupted the world, and it's certainly disrupted me, and it's just absolutely, I was at the end of my rope before we got started with COVID down here. <laughs> I don't want to be here living in that motor coach any longer, but that's about the only thing I can do at this point, and I think that we'll see construction very soon, possibly as early as a month, and uh, I uh, indulge y'all to... Uh, positively consider this I would appreciate it and it will be of great assistance to me this thing has a sewer from my old home and it also has a uh, uh, electricity uh, I keep the lot in an impeccable condition it was the lot grass was cut yesterday uh, there's a there's a there's a just on the other side of this lot over here there's a uh, there's a mobile homeless park there it's just nobody's in there so, thank you very much. Thank for you, your Mr. Time. Cheney. I appreciate it. Mr. Chairman, any could, could I ask Mr. Cheney a question? Yes, sir. Yeah, Mr. Cheney, you said that the bulkhead was just um, 
the debris is going to be used to uh, restore the bulkhead that uh, that was destroyed during the storm. Yes, sir. Okay, so the adjacent property, what what do they have? Now you say that 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 pile of debris, the rubble, is the best thing in the world for restoring. So, if did it only just uh, destroy the shoreline at your property? What what happened on either side? I mean, and, and, and do these people have that same kind of? I, I I don't need that. No, no. You what? What? What you said? You said that the the buckhead was destroyed from the storm, and that that pile of rubble is the best thing in the world for restoring it. And I'm saying, if it if the storm comes in and destroy the shoreline, it, did it just do it at your property, or did it do it along the whole? Primarily my property. Just yours. It because just. Of the way there is a dock. The only thing that's on the lot. Uh, to my right as we're as we're facing it is a dock out there okay and access to get there and then on the other side that house has now been elevated 12 feet above uh the the level and that's where that house okay. stands and and, at this and, point. and and one other question now um and i, I just googled this um uh, matthew was in 2016 and irma was in 2017 yes sir and your letter said that uh you know you were um suffering from from both storms, which one, um, you know, did did the damage? They, they both did, or, or did the hurricane Matthew beat me to a pulp? We didn't have power for 11 days out on Isle White okay. after Hurricane Matthew. Hurricane Matthew was a lot more uh, destructive. However, with Hurricane Irma, everything was fine. It wasn't that windy, but all of a sudden we got a, a high tide, and then the surge coming in. I had three feet of water in my house. Okay three full feet of water. I mean, I'm walking around and have video of this, and which brings up the point that the insurance company just wrote a letter to the uh, insurance commissioner that said that there was only seven. I'm gonna go show them when we go to federal district court that it wasn't seven inches, it was 37 inches. Okay. So I'm sorry, I'm exasperated, but I've dealt with this thing for a long time and it's gone on way too long. I went out of the area for quite a while before I came back, and I thought it was going to be a done deal, and I had a building yeah. permit. Thanks, you've answered my question. Thanks, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Mr. Cheney. Uh, Mr. Yes, sir. Chairman, yeah. um, sir, how long have you been living at in the mobile RV at this time? I think that, that well, Frank said I've been there since the 4th of July two years ago. Uh, I'm not disputing what you're saying at all, Frank. Uh, I, but uh, I think that what this gets down to is that I've, I know I've been there too long. That's why I'm asking for a special exception. I mean, I, this is an unusual event that we're going through with COVID. It's been, I'm, I've been through two hurricanes and four major operations since I've lived in this house. And I'm, I'm, and I'm about dancing as hard as I can dance. I mean, it, it, I, it, and all I'm trying is to get a, a, a little bit longer. If, if, if you want to get down to the basis on this thing, I don't think I would have had a problem if I hadn't staked out my lines. I've had three different surveyors come in here and survey this property. And my, my neighbor seems to think that I'm on his line. Well, he needs to speak with the surveyors. Because Ms. all Ms. I'm doing is Ms. exactly Sandy, what they say. Don't take us back all through your 
Yes, sir. Sorry. Sorry. Any other questions may I answer? Thank you, Mr. Cheney. Mr. Chairman. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you very much. Right. Mr. Frank, state your full, full name when you come to the podium, please, sir. Uh, it was misspelled in the paper, so I want to make a clarification on that. <laughs> I am um, also a uh, vaccinated, uh, disabled veteran, <clears throat> got proof right here, and I'm also proud to say that I'm a, a graduate of the, the Liberty County Sheriff's Department Citizens Academy. Congratulations, Sheriff. Um, I've got a statement from Mr. Reggie Woods, who is the immediate property owner. I'm an adjacent property owner within the 200 feet that is called for by, by the regulation. Mr. Jones, um, did you receive his message today? Um, I did, but I uh, I spoke with him personally, but I didn't get a chance to uh, read the email. Well, I have it here, if with your permission, so everybody yes. here can hear what he's got to say. We just need to be concise as much as we can. So it's, a, it's, a, it's a printed yeah. statement, and you've heard mine already. All right, sir. Then we'll. On behalf of Mr. Reggie Woods. Mr. Maxie Jones, unfortunately, I'm on vacation out of state and cannot make the meeting. Thus, I would like my letter to be read by Mr. Frank Vercell, who will be speaking on behalf of our neighbors. If for some reason Mr. Vercell cannot make it to the meeting, I would like you to read my letter to the chairman and other commissioners. Thank you. Below is my revised letter from the, from the first meeting. I'm writing in regards to David Cheney's request for a special exception to extend staying in his camper for another year in the Isle of Wight community. His camper has already been there for two years. This will set a precedent for everyone to get a variance to an ordinance to stay in campers all over Isle of Wight. I am his immediate neighbor and I am against a special exception. He explains, his attempt to sue the insurance company and possibly FEMA is unreasonable to expect a big payday from a house that has no interior walls, some ceiling torn out and all carpet removed from the house. In addition, his house is very old, was not even built close to code back in the 70s. After Hurricane Irma flooded Davis' house, he had his house torn down before he received a claim from the insurance company after he received a partial claim from FEMA flood insurance. Tearing the house down made the situation look dire, but who tears their house down before settling claims? That's how the situation got to this point. With his ongoing litigation, break, breaking ground on a new house within a year seems impossible. He will likely need another special exception. I think you brought that point up, sir. Is he building an apartment over his garage? The Planning Commission Board approved a special exception based on the premise that he would build an apartment over the garage on my property, speaking for Mr. Reggie Woods. I saw the video of the meeting, so this cannot be disputed. They approved this special exception by inadvertent error of judgment. My corner, the corner eave of the garage is on my property. The structure cannot and will not pass code to be a two-story. If he builds a two-story apartment garage in another place on his property, he will likely, he will very likely not have it completed within a year because of ongoing litigation. In closing, David has the option to stay in a long-term RV park. I have my own statement, sir, that you missed last time, but the rest of the board heard. I don't think it's necessary to repeat it. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. All right, uh, Commissioner uh, Jones, uh, you've heard the recommendation from uh, LCPC, and I, I remind you that as a commissioner, we can either accept their recommendation or, or the commission has the authority to change the recommendation or deny the recommendation. So all those are at our discretion. We can make a totally different recommendation, 
accept what they've offered or deny what they've offered. Like I mentioned, um, I've spoken with several of the residents of the community that have called me. Um, most of the majority of the calls were in opposition of the variance. Um, and I listened to both sides. I've spoken with Mr. Cheney also. Um, and I understand both sides. Uh, the year uh, that he is requesting, um, I think that I would be willing to allow the variance to go forward, but not for a year. If we could change that to six months, maybe give a six months leeway and with the condition that um, if we do not see uh, progress in six months, if we don't see the house being built or whatever Mr. Cheney plans on doing with the property, that uh, we will not extend the variance anymore. Um, I think a year is too long because of what we have been here before, obviously the time that has been taken already, but I would be willing to uh, go along with a six month. Okay, so the first thing is, yes, if you did set a new uh, time limit like that, uh, just to let you all know, Mr. Zeckman would be responsible for going out there and doing that inspection at, in six months, reporting back to you all about it. Um, and then secondly, yes, you can change the time limit. If you'd like to set a, when you make the motion, you can set a special condition that it be uh, six months instead of one year. Okay. And the reason I do this, Mr. Chairman and fellow commissioners, because uh, like I said, the majority of the comments concerns that I've got have been against. You know, nobody really wants, um, and they have a big issue about the RV park. Uh, we just recently had a, I guess, submission mm -hmm. turned down because someone was wanting to put out an RV trailer park. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got a lot of calls and opposition about that. They seem to be set against the mobile homes, trailers, mm -hmm. And I guess it has a stigma that comes with it that uh, the residents really are trying to get away from in their community. Mr. Cheney, I understand his um, circumstances and I tried to look at things with compassion um, on one hand and then I understand at the same time the neighbors and their property rights. So trying to respect both sides, I'm stuck in the middle either way it go. I guess, damn if I do, damn if I don't. Right. So in order to try to, I guess, meet both sides, both ways in the middle, mm -hmm. I would like to, under the uh, special condition, I would recommend that we allow the variance that Mr. Cheney has requested but not for a year. We would give him a six-month variance extension. And if at that time we go back and revisit, if we don't see any progress, uh, that we won't be granting any more extensions. But we have to see progress that he is either building or what his actual, but we need to see something physical before 
we would have revisited extending it anymore. So my recommendation is for six months instead of a year on the uh, request by Mr. Cheney. Well, that recommendation needs to find itself into a motion, sir. All right, sir. And uh, I make the motion that we move forward with the uh, special condition and accepting the variance. Uh, a special exception. Special exception as submitted by Mr. Cheney for a period of six months. Yes, sir. Is there a second? Second. Motion second. Mr. Brown, do we need to be as specific as to put a date on that or will it just be from this date? We've looked forward and, and I've made a note to go ahead and signal Mr. Zeckman and talk to Jeff on about the 15th of December. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, we'll just make sure we let Mr. Cheney know that. All right. Commissioner Jones. <clears throat> Commissioner Jones. Yes, sir. I just got, uh, Mr. Chairman. Yes, sir. Mr. Cheney, you shake your head. Is your mobile home movable? RB. Yes, sir. Okay. Okay, oh, that's, that's good, that's good, that's good. What I'm saying, Commissioner Jones, I don't want to see a change that the mobile home is heading east on the parking lot then next week is heading west. That's not a change, and that's not a, okay, I'm just wanting to make sure because some people go out and move things around and make it look like it's doing something. Yes, <laughs> I have a question, Mr. Jones, um, and I, you know, I'm still this valuable pile of rubble um, that that um, that's not going to be part of the new structure, the new living quarters, or anything. I mean, he if it's so valuable and he's going to use it to show up the the shoreline, he could do something with that now, couldn't he? I mean, if instead of it just being piled up here, right? I mean, he could go down there tomorrow and put it wherever it's going to be. That that has nothing to do with the the new living quarters six months from now. I mean that that. That, that could be put in motion now. It's just standing there. And, you know, since some of the people uh, have complained about that, I mean, it's there. And if he's keeping it there for that purpose, I don't think that there's much other than time and effort and, and some money for some construction equipment to put it in that permanent place mm -hmm. where it could serve that purpose. I mean, that's, that's right. that would be movement that um, toward you know your, your motion but it could also um it could show that you know he's keeping it for that reason he could go ahead and do that first thing in the morning mm -hmm. but i mean maybe not that quick but if that's what he's going to use it for what what's the hold up on that that's not the um whatever it is that he's waiting on from from whoever i mean that that could be done and that would be one thing checked off and that would be movement during this 6 month period and uh, mr
years of the North So, so you're waiting on the permit to put the, the rubble in there, so that, that could go on and on and on until, I, I until you, so. you don't think so? That, that's good, but, but we, we just don't know how long that would that could possibly take. Mm -hmm. It could go well, on and on. Well, I, it's going to happen before the house is built, and I'm, I'm expecting the house to be start construction maybe within a month. Okay. Uh, Mr. Chairman, mm -hmm. um, I'd like to thank uh, Commissioner Stevens and Commissioner Gillard for pointing that out um, because, like, the condition I made that we see progress as um, long as, and I guess we will determine what that progress would be mm -hmm. at a later date, mm -hmm. but as long as we see in progress, then we'll be willing, I'll be willing to work with you moving forward and hopefully that, you know, maybe puts uh, a little, gives a little patience <coughs> for those that oppose uh, what we are doing, because like I said, it was like 10 to one in opposition, so um, I've gotten some in some heated discussions that almost got personal for people not wanting me to accept this approval. So um, I'm going out on the limb, and like I said, six months. If we see uh, some progress at that time, we can move forward. But if we don't, then you know what to expect the next time you come before us. All in favor, raise your right hand, please. You oppose. All right. The sooner the better, Mr. Cheney. The sooner the better. Thank you very much. The better. Okay, thank you, commissioners. That's all we have for us. Thank you, sir. Thank you. you for, have a good night. For working with us through that. Hey, look in, when you coming back? <laughs> <laughs> when you coming back? Because I'm going to make sure I'm going to skip that day. <laughs> <laughs> all right, our county attorney, Mr. Davis. Uh, this is just for informational purposes tonight, but I think everybody has a copy of a memo and a proposed ordinance regulating firearm discharge in the county. I read it, but I didn't print another copy out of here. Glanced at it. Yep, and you'll have a chance to read it before okay. the next meeting. But generally, it just uh, regulates the discharge of firearms in the unincorporated areas of the county and more particularly protects more densely populated areas of the county from unauthorized firearm discharge. And so you'll see the ordinance prohibits firearm discharge in residential and commercial districts in the county.
but permits it within agricultural and agricultural residential districts subject to certain limitations. So even though you can't discharge a firearm in residential and commercial districts, and you can in agricultural and AR districts, you still can't discharge it within a thousand feet of any residential or business structure, or place of worship, or, or public gathering. And additionally, you can't uh, discharge it over the property line of uh, uh, another owner's property or on their property without the owner's <laughs> So that those are the prohibitions uh, in a nutshell. And there are several exceptions too, and you'll see those in the, the ordinance, but these are exceptions that are consistent with state law. Uh, you know, if you have a legal justification in the protection of property or, or person, you can, of course, fire a weapon. Uh, it, property owned or controlled by the United States, the state of Georgia, including Fort Stewart, is, of course, exempt. Uh, and then there are certain accommodations made for law enforcement, as well as pre-existing hunting clubs, shooting preserves, and uh, organizations of that kind. So just take a minute to read it before your next meeting. If you have any questions before then, I got feel one free now. To give me a call. Yes, sir. Mr. Chair. Mm -hmm. When is it considered to be a nuisance? Yeah, the, the, two different things. You know, of course, the county has an ORS ordinance, and we have a nuisance ordinance. Uh, this just prohibits the, the discharge. And so I guess it accomplishes that purpose, too, uh, regarding nuisances. But state... I guess you're more concerned maybe with hunting clubs and shooting preserves no. or just individuals? Okay. <clears throat> on Sunday, Sunday, I was sitting on my front porch. Mm -hmm. There was someone in the neighborhood. They got rid of at least 250 to 300 rounds constantly. Bam, 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 bam. Reload. Bam, bam, bam. On Sunday, I made a call to 911. Law enforcement came out. Virtually, while they were up in that lane, they went back to shooting while the deputy was right there. So I had to sit on my front porch. I go in my house and listen to that noise. So when does it become a nuisance? You know what the property is owned? Residential. Residential. Well, under this ordinance, it would be prohibited. They couldn't discharge firearms. Um, so in any, and it lists, of course, you folks are familiar with the zoning districts, but on the new ordinance, any zoning district, single family, two family, multifamily, mobile home park, um, office institutional, uh, industrial, all of those, it prohibits the discharge of weapons unless it falls within those exceptions that I just mentioned, firearm protection of life and property, uh, and certain accommodations made for pre-existing hunting clubs and, and uh, sports shooting ranges. Uh, but those are recognized by state law. So under that scenario, they wouldn't be allowed to discharge firearms unless it was those limited circumstances. So. The, only, the only little exception there is it would be, if your property zoned AR1, then it would be allowed in AR1 district. Yes. Because those are residential and agricultural districts. So actually when would a thousand feet come into play? It, it actually, it, it applies to only, really, the only the agricultural and AR1 districts. So those are... The, Discharge of firearms aren't absolutely prohibited in those two zoning districts, but the other exceptions apply. You can't fire within a thousand feet of residential or business structure or place of worship, uh, and you couldn't fire on someone else's property or cross property lines without their permission. Yeah, but let me say this, and I'm not saying it funny. When that when that bullet comes out the tube of that gun, it's not going to say, "Oh, I can't stop." 
No, and it, of course, it, it you know it, it requires the discretion of the person who's operating the firearm. You know, they have to know what property lines are, just like any good hunter would, and uh, you know, control their fire. Uh, you now, some of the jurisdictions do uh, impose further restrictions. You know, they don't allow nighttime firing unless you know there are certain exceptions. Uh, I haven't seen any on you know permitting discharge on Sundays, but they do regulate firearm discharge at certain times of the day. So if you'd like to revise, you know, look at the ordinance, and if you think that's appropriate, we could add that. But it's, it's always difficult. It's a competing you know, interest. If someone wants to go out there and take 10 rounds and fire off the aim of sighting a gun, fine. But when you start going all of those amount of rounds, ridiculous. Well, I don't disagree. And again, they're competing interests. And, and keep in mind, we do have some rights. people out here in Liberty County that still works shift work. Mm -hmm. So you're disturbing them also. Yes, and then, you know, that might be a legitimate violation of the county's noise ordinance. So, you know, if that's why I like when is it? Yeah, our noise ordinance is rather specific, you know, has to reach a certain decibel and has to be for a certain duration. But uh, I think the sheriff's department's familiar with what constitutes a, a nuisance and what doesn't. Hopefully they could respond and address Did you contact the anybody in the sheriff's department while you were writing this? Uh, no, sir. Did not. We looked at other jurisdictions and we looked at state law and tried to make it. And the consistent. reason why I ask because law enforcement and whatever what county is, they're going to be the ones to enforce it. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. And that's why we tried to make it consistent with state law. So the, the same restrictions, except the thousand foot distance requirement, uh, the other the other exceptions are consistent with state law. Probably a good idea to, to run it by the sheriff's office just to, so they can uh, he can look at it prior to us. Proving it at our next meeting. Be happy to. Mr. Chairman, how you doing, Kelly? Good, Mr. Jones. Um, question, please. Uh, I live out in an unincorporated area. Um, just an example, I have a neighbor that is a detective, mm -hmm. and I think he lives on seven and a half, eight acres of land that adjoins mine. And any time, you know, he's out there practicing zeroing in his gun. I'm sure it's all too just a, a nice brick home on it. Uh, so I'm, I would think that it is R2 without this other split zoning. Mm -hmm. um, with this new proposal, he wouldn't be able to practice in his yard firing his firearm. No, sir, not, not if it's in one of the residential areas that we discussed or if it's within 1,000 feet of your residence, for example. Now, there's an exception we make for law enforcement in the performance of their official duties, uh, but and we could fi fine-tune that if you're interested, but I think that would only apply to you know, active duty assignments or training in an approved facility. I don't think a person just at the personal residence, even if they were a law enforcement officer, could discharge their weapon. And I was just curious, so it don't matter if I had 10 acres, 20 acres, 30 acres, and if it's under that R2, I still wouldn't be able to discharge a firearm on my property. Yes, sir, that's right. You know, the, the county tries to do a good job in, in assigning zoning classifications to property that's appropriate. Mm -hmm. so if it's zoned R2, then most likely it wouldn't have large acreage of that kind, but there's a possibility it could. More likely it would be agricultural or AR, uh, but you know, uh, an ordinance is uh, sometimes a blunt instrument, but uh, we tried to be as as accommodating as we could to the property owners, but still make it consistent with compatible uses of the zoning districts. And I respect 
um, I guess the property owner's rights and stuff like that. And um, I guess I'm a gun owner and I like getting out shooting myself right around the yard. And uh, a bunch of my friends, you know, we down here in the unincorporated in the sticks, they call it. So it's sort of a, almost a way of life, you know, to get out in the yard, shoot, practice, plank. Right. Um, just wanted to make no point, ask that question. We could, and of course we could always uh, revise the ordinance. I mean, some jurisdictions do restrict the discharge based on distance only. They don't prohibit it outright in zoning districts. So if you folks think that's more appropriate, we can take that, uh, that tact as well. I think um, that would be, Mr. Chairman, I think that would be better if you go, you know, somebody living on a 10 acre piece of property and then somebody living on half an acre, half acre you know they're like really close mm -hmm. compared to the guy that lives on seven or eight acres maybe we should look at it that way sure then no by problem. the zoning obviously no if, you, if you're li living on like a quarter acre or half an acre you you probably got some close neighbors mm -hmm. close neighbors to you in in a residential area or subdivision like we just approved obviously you wouldn't want them out there mm -hmm. and, and some some jurisdictions have done that they have a distance requirement like a thousand feet or so but they also have exceptions for based on acreage mm -hmm. uh, and the acreage varies from jurisdiction to jurisdiction some it's five acres most I've seen it's probably ten acres mm -hmm. uh, but if you want to give me your comments and let me know what you think is appropriate we can adjust that kind of abandon the the prohibition based on zoning districts and yeah, use, use lot, acreage instead. A lot of folks may not know what is zoned. I don't know what mine's zoned. Yep. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm interested, excuse me, Commissioner Smith, in what counties our size may have on their ordinances. Uh, because if I'm a very rural, then I could, you know, then nobody's within, you know, two miles of me. And, and I'm like the others, that shouldn't be an issue. But if I'm a populated county, or if I live in city limits, then that, that probably wouldn't be a good thing, obviously. But I'm, I'm, I would like to compare those with those counties who are kind of like ours. We have, yeah. and they're as varied as the jurisdictions. So like I said, mo most of them have distance requirements of some kind. Mm -hmm. Others restricted uh, based on subdivision, uh, platted subdivisions, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, others use acreage requirements, so there is no recommended formula or yeah. you know one size doesn't fit all but mm -hmm. I think from your concerns I think probably an acreage exception mm -hmm. and distance exception yeah. probably would work yeah um, you know because you know but how do you how, how, how do you look at that you know based on what Commissioner Jones said and then based on what Commissioner Steve said that guy may have been on 10 acres too but he's having a well, he field day this was not 10 acres yeah okay right. having a field day you know so and there are always going to be some circumstances yeah. that, that aren't addressed by the ordinance that, you know, individual citizens yeah. won't like, yeah. but uh, there's yeah. no real effective way to do it. I mean, you have to choose one formula that's consistent yeah. and apply it to everyone. I can imagine, excuse me, some seniors in the area would have been very upset. The seniors hear all that shooting, they think, oh my gosh, you know. And that's what I am, a senior citizen. They'd be afraid to go to bed. <laughs> right. And of course, you know, we can, I mentioned some jurisdictions do restrict uh, based on time in addition to distance. They don't allow the discharge after a certain time at night. Yeah. Uh, so we might want to consider that as well. Mr. Uh, Chair, I would be willing to look at what Commissioner Jones said if you own mm. X amount of acreage. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, that, that, of course, Kelly and I have talked about it, and, and I've had a lot of discussion with 
different folks you've got if you've got 10 acres well you know that could be sufficient if you've got a proper backstop mm -hmm. but right if you're shooting at 10 acres let's mm -hmm. just say where commissioner thrift lives at if she's got 10 acres that tells me that there's probably another two acres between her and a county line road mm -hmm. so there may not be nothing back there but it, but the woods mm -hmm. now i'm i'm running into the same thing you are the fellow is living in this area and he's shooting into the woods into property that he don't own and mm -hmm. it actually will come mm -hmm. into sometimes uh even into one of my you know a, a place where i'm hunting so you don't never know there 10 acres may be plenty for the fellow that's going to use common sense and good judgment right so i don't know that we can just say 10 acres i think that you know you've got to follow the guidelines of the state which says you can't shoot so many feet from a state highway or a paved road uh, and i don't know what it is we don't have a county ordinance to say how far you can from a county road you know mm -hmm. game wardens or, or police part of it but you've got this fellow that's pretty conscious individual that goes out there zeroes in his gun it's like commissioner jones said puts it back up and that's the end of it yeah. and then you've got somebody that may shoot three or four hundred rounds out across his 10 mm -hmm. acres in Into. across the marsh he's shooting where it's a thousand yards over there into the marsh so there's nobody behind him but who knows when the tide's up and a boat comes by so i mean i think the ordinance is going to be something we definitely want to, to look at um the r2 the ar1 and things like that there's a, a lot of people they'll go and build a house in the 10 or 12 acres but the fellow that's shooting he's still going to be shooting to you in hinesville right now and in Savannah and in Chicago, they shoot down the middle of the street. And some of them's aiming, and some of them are ricocheted bullets and killing people. So that's my that's yeah. Well, that, that was kind of uh, my question. Again, I've never really did that much hunting or shooting or anything yeah. like that, you know, um, being kind of a grew up right over there. And, <laughs> Where I grew up, um, urban. Yeah, urban. Uh, urban. Yeah, urban. yeah, I'm, I'm more, I'm more, but I'm, I, I'm just sitting here listening to y'all that that do that kind of stuff. Um, a person shoots a gun, he, if he hit what he's shooting at, the, the bullet don't go but so far, right? Mm-hmm. So, but so it's obvious we've got a lot of people missing. <laughs> they random like the free throw. <laughs> yeah, you get it. And sometimes you don't. Yeah, so, so you miss it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but it's all right if you miss okay. it because the ball bounces. Yeah. This ball don't bounce. It okay. just keeps going. Just keep yeah. right on going. Okay. Kelly, find us. I think I understand what you'd like. Okay. And I'll, I'll circulate a draft early okay. next week. Okay. And you folks take a read and give me a call and we can discuss it at your next meeting. You know, like I always said, the laws aren't made for those who are doing the right thing. It's made for those sometimes uh, who are doing the wrong thing. So and it's, it's good. You know, the protect, county has no regulation. Protect everybody. Discharge but, firearm, allow protect the gun owners to, to do time. what they're doing yeah. and then protect the other folk of the world who are just innocent, innocent but, next Kelly, to your neighbors. Excuse me, Mr. Chairman. You, you did mention um, the decibels um, like for the noise oh, ordinance. Is mm -hmm. that that's going to be considered? It's a separate ordinance. We, we, I mean, the county does we have, have an that already. So if it should violate the county's NORS ordinance, that's a separate way to enforce, you know, uh, uh, a citizen who might be complying with this ordinance but might be but, violating the NORS ordinance. 
a, a one shot. I, I think I think Joy or somebody said something about the duration. A person mm -hmm. shooting a gun that that's one shot, and it may be over the decibel, but that, that that's not an issue. You would have to sit there and just hold the trigger to to yes. the to yes, the sir. barrel melt. I'll and when I circulate the the revised draft, I'll give you a copy of the noise ordinance too, and just highlight what constitutes. Right, a but you know, but, I, but a but, shot like that wouldn't violate. It, it may be loud, but it wouldn't violate. Like mm -hmm. that's right. Mm -hmm. so. Just have to glue your glue your finger sustained. glue your finger to the trigger and just go for it. Talks about a good right time as measured. Okay. But actually, the noise ordinance doesn't kick in until what? Eleven o'clock. No, I don't think so. It can really be in effect yeah. any time, but it specifically says that, especially between the hours of X and X, but it's it's any it's anything that really exceeds that decibel level. All right. Okay. All right, sir. Give it a try. All right. We come up. Thank you. We have to have a we have to have a starting point. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Give it a try. All right. All right. Good enough. I'll circulate that next week. The other, the agreement with the uh, the hospital regarding EMS. Mm -hmm. Uh, we're going to circulate uh, a draft of that next week. Next we'll week, be discussing okay. this week. We're hoping okay. to have feedback from the hospital before we circulate it. Okay. And once that's done, we will circulate it and discuss it at your next. Okay. Meeting. Okay. Good enough. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you, folks. Good to see you. Thank you. That's cool. We ain't got no money. <laughs> CVB. What did you say? What did you say the other day you want to get the Leah Poole version of it real fast? Oh, Swift? Yeah, real fast version. <laughs> <laughs> you brought some goodies? <laughs> oh, Joey said that. <laughs> That's all right. It, it, that, that cup right there will be there until next month. <laughs> Thank you. Howie. Thank you. <laughs> hey, Mary, you, you, you're, on, you're on TV now. I don't care. <laughs> hey, look in. Hey, Gary. To, uh, yeah, the city council meeting today. Commissioner Thrift. I mean, C C Commissioner um, Gillard. At my age, whatever comes off the end of my town, I'm not responsible. It's for real. <laughs> it's for real. We have one of those, Leah. Let's, let's see you updated, though. And before I start, I just wanted to say that my son is in the county work program this summer, and he has enjoyed it so much. He's very excited about tomorrow, um, and he's enjoyed his boss man back there. <laughs> he's, he's had a great time. He's learned a lot. He's um, very excited. Was he teachable? So, yes, he is trainable. Yep, he is. He's actually, I think, got a um, side job with voter registration now to do some filing after school. So, <laughs> yeah, he's super excited. He's enjoyed it a lot. Good. He is very, he likes the dollars. All about the dollars. It's working. It's working. So, my mid-year update, which way do I have to go with this thing? I don't have to operate. Oh, there we go. So, our 2020 wrap-up. Um, we did help pass the e-commerce referendum. Our new website also went live. If you've not had a chance to look at that, we would encourage it. Um, our sign went up. Um, we did get a, a lot of folks that said they didn't know where we were, but now we have a 12-foot sign, so if they miss us, it's kind of their own fault. Um, we held a COVID-friendly parade. We had our annual staff retreat, and we had 83 new members join the Chamber of Commerce, which was um, beyond my expectations. We usually do... Um, try to get 50, and in a good year, we usually get about 80, um, but in a COVID year, I would have said we would have gotten far less, um, but we got 83 new members, and 72% of those were minority-owned and operated businesses. A lot of our new members were non-English speaking as well, which was also surprising to me, 
um, and just they wanted the information that we were putting out because we took all those government orders that were coming out and regurgitated them in easy to understand language. Um, just some pictures from some of the things we did at the end of last year. So we did have our Santa mailbox up and that um, gentleman there, that was his first Santa letter. Um, we did stay in touch with all of our historic sites to make sure that they were where we were still here to help them. And we also focus a lot on good photography, which we always have, um, but we don't always have the time to go take all those pictures. So we um, try to get good food photos. That's in a grill Caribbean restaurant, which is right on 196. If you've not had a chance to go there, we would encourage you to. Um, January to present, these are some of the activities we've been working on. We did um, help co-host the Jalen Bale um, with some other organizations on behalf of Tri-County Protective Agency, which is our Batter Women and Children's Shelter. Um, we started a Liberty Loves Teachers program in the school, in the schools, yes, in the schools. Um, but it's not just celebrating the teachers, it's also celebrating the custodial staff, the kitchen staff, all of those folks, um, paraprofessionals. Um, we helped pass East Lost, which was a good, very good thing. Um, and we hosted, the chamber hosted the top 45 under 45. We did place an ad in the um, in the magazine honoring Dr. Martin Luther King and the anniversary of his death. There was a million of these that were printed um, and distributed throughout the United States. It's also available on a website. It went to a, a gazillion email addresses. I can't even remember how many, but to market and advertise Dorchester Academy and its place on the Civil Rights Trail, the U.S. Civil Rights Trail. Um, some of the other things we've worked on so far this year, um, of course, we did the Random Acts of Kindness Week at the beginning of this year, and Councilwoman Reed with the City of Huntsville is always very generous to help us get to the homeless populations. Her church does a lot of work with those folks. Um, Fort Stewart in coastal Georgia was designated a great American defense community, and that's something that we were proud to be able to work on. Broke ground for the business incubator, which will help a lot of folks, and... Um, I'm sure you saw the, the signs and the notices. Um, I know Joey and I have learned a lot. I know I've learned a lot. Um, this year about filming, um, we did have a Tyler Perry film film here for several months, well, a couple of months they were here um, with some road closures and other things. Um, that movie will come out in 2022, so that's when you can look for that. It did film on the east end of the county and then also right here, at, actually at our office, so a couple blocks away. Um, it, was, it was a huge production. It's definitely the biggest one we've ever worked on. Um, we helped with some of the Davion Mitchell celebrations. We celebrated National Travel and Tourism Week, and we always uh, make sure we go visit all of our hoteliers. That's that bottom right-hand picture. Um, take them little goodies, little treats, just to let them know we're here and we're here for them. Get the tape. There we go. Um, the filming, again, A Fork in the Road aired on April the 3rd. We had a commercial that filmed on K Creek Road in late April. That was a Peloton commercial. You know what um, Peloton um, exercise equipment is. Uh, Tyler Perry Studios filmed here for the first two weeks in May, but they were here for months. Um, and the excursion, we have an episode of that that airs in June. We were able to write several grants in the last year. We had a National um, Historic Preservation Grant of almost $61,000. We've not got funding yet. Um, but that is for the historic Bacon Fraser house and that's to help with the continued maintenance of that property Anybody who's ever owned or been in an old home, you know, it takes a lot of maintenance to uh, uh, maintain it And that is helping with a lot of the grounds maintenance those trees were allowed to grow um, Really wild and we've recently had almost four thousand dollars worth of work done to maintain them a little better mm -hmm. um, to try to protect that house um, we got a historic preservation grant for the chamber, a historic preservation grant for the CVB, 
Um, the Georgia Council for the Arts granted the Arts Council $5,000, and then we submitted two more grants. We were not funded for either of those, but we are in the process of, process of submitting four more. There's lots of grants available right now, so we are doing as many of them as we possibly can. Um, we also have a committee, a Hinesville Downtown Committee, that's working on murals and crosswalk design with the city of Hinesville. That is a, a huge tourist attraction, believe it or not. People really do like murals, public art. Um, we currently only have one. Um, but that's something we're trying to ease us all into the, mm -hmm. the art world. It's very popular now, very popular. It is. It's, it's a, a amenity for a whole lot of cities. People it is. travel to murals. So we are working on that. We did start a closed Facebook group for our chamber members, and then we were named one of the top 35 best blogs to follow in Georgia in 2021 by Feedspot, and we're number 14. And one of our chief blog writers is sitting right over there. That's <laughs> Fall of this year, we do have a, a plethora of um, things that we will be doing. All of our spring events, of course, being canceled because of COVID still, we have moved to the fall. So we have Leadership Liberty and the Young Adult Liberty leaders both start this fall, Blues, Brews, and Barbecue, our Chamber Low Country Boil, Chamber Golf Tournament, Food Truck Festival, and the Christmas Parade all um, in the next couple of months. We also added a business expo and job fair that's on August the 27th. And these are some of our new marketing campaigns. Um, we did, like I said, focus a lot on good photography while we were able to, and we had the downtime. Um, we have a whole campaign around ladies eating out at restaurants in Liberty County um, and socializing and have a, a good time, and that's Miss Kathy Villafane and Miss Karen Bell, who I'm sure you recognize. And then on the right-hand side, that's a baptism that we actually staged several years ago at the Historic Baptismal Trail, but it's a whole series of ads that we have coming out this fall. And just as a reminder, most of what the CVB does, you don't see it here because it doesn't happen here. It's not going to attract tourists here. <laughs> so we do it in other places. So, and that's what leads me to this. So like the thing on the right, that's a billboard that's in Charleston to attract day visitors to Liberty County. And that's at the Sunbury Crab Company. And then you've got Miss Willa and Miss Kathy again. That's right here at the Brickwall Cafe. And that's the end of my presentation, unless you have any questions. Leah, tell um, and I, I, I will do a poor job, so I'm gonna let you do it. The city of Flemington increased their hotel motel tax. They voted to increase it several yeah. years ago. They did not increase it. It has to be a countywide increase. So Talk they, about that piece. That's yes. what I want you to get to. So the county would need to um, adopt the same policy that the city of Flemington did, which is up to 8%. We're currently at 5% for hotel motel tax. That 5% is restricted where three pennies have to go to the local government, which in this case would be you guys, and 2% by state law has to go to the registered DMO, or Destination Marketing Organization, which is the Liberty CVB, or us. Um, and we are taxed with using that just for marketing purposes. We're not allowed to do brick and mortar projects. Um, we're not allowed to maintain the gazebos. We're not allowed to do any of that. If we wanna do that, we have to write grants. So the increase, that extra 3%, um, would go to the registered DMO, one and a half percent would have to go to marketing again, but one and a half percent could be used for brick and mortar projects. So if you wanted us to redo those gazebos, which the one by the Burger King got completely torn down, um, any of those kind of projects could be done at that point with that one and a half percent of restricted funds. We um, wouldn't have to write as many grants or try to find grants to do those kind of projects or help historic sites directly with their brick and mortar projects. That's something else that could be done. But in order for that to happen, all three jurisdictions, the city of Hinesville, city of Flemington, and the county has to adopt the same thing. And then Representative Williams has to carry it forward for us to the state legislature and have it passed there. So Flemington's the only one at this time who has passed that. 
I think we have a meeting soon to discuss um, whether the county might be willing to do okay. the same thing and if um, the city of Hinesville would also adopt it. The hoteliers are fine on, on board with that. We did that a couple years ago. Okay, so there's a meeting coming up. Actually, actually as follow-up to the countywide workshop on mm -hmm. the event center, mm -hmm. uh, we're having a meeting actually to talk about the event center. At one time, there was a proposal that it be increased and the 1.5% be used to help offset the cost of that construction or some operation thereof. So that's, that's really the meeting. Yeah, it, it, I'm kind of getting the same vibe from this as I am from, from Sploss. Sploss is doing so well, so obviously our community is attracting people, yes. so why not take advantage of those people who, not take advantage, that's not a good word. Uh, no, what's, not take advantage. And it's not yeah. the hotel owner's money, it's the person that's coming to visit. Yes. Right. Yeah, it's, yeah, so it's like Sploss, so, yeah. right. Yeah, so there's nothing out of the local people's pockets. Right, unless you're locally staying in a hotel and having yes, a staycation. Right. But it gets to help to promote, because we need some things done that we can't get done right now, so that, that would help us. So uh, whoever takes the move forward, then I hope my commissioners would agree that we would uh, support that when that time comes. And then the city of Hinesville, are they discuss uh, that's all part of the same yes, meeting? Yes, okay, all right. Well, we just wait for a report back from you guys then. Especially with no direct opposition, I don't see why. Okay. Do Let's get it done. Let's get it done. I agree. Any other questions for Leah? Thank, Thank you, sir. Thank you. We're going to take our lead. <laughs> Enterprise agreement. Uh, Mr. Chris Whiteside is here from Enterprise. Uh, he came Thank you for being patient, Chris. Yes, sir. He actually hustled over from Carolina. He had another meeting, so I appreciate you. I'm glad he made uh, um, But uh, I did put in your packets a copy of the Master Equity Lease Agreement. There are some writing documents that go along with this, but this is the main agreement. I would tell you this has been provided to county attorney making comments on it and um, let Mr. Whiteside kind of go through his short reminder of a presentation on the finalization of what would happen uh, through the lease and we can answer any questions and Mr. Chairman what we would like to ask is that uh, the board consider uh, approval subject to changes final changes being made by the county attorney just authorize you to sign okay uh, well thank you all for having me again I'm Chris Whiteside from Enterprise Fleet Management so yeah. I was here, I guess it's been about a month and a half, two months now. Um, but uh, just to kind of give you a quick overview, um, I believe I can control that. Um, so what I did is I, um, working with the county and the sheriff's office, we looked at the fleet of, for, the, for Liberty County. And essentially this is a profile of what the fleet looks like today. So it's about 165 vehicles roughly if you combine the sheriff vehicles and the county vehicles. Um, one of the things that really sticks out is the age of the vehicles. Um, so you've got about 38% that are 2011 or older. Um, about 50% of the vehicles are over 100,000 miles. 25% uh, of them are over 150,000 miles. Um, right now, based on y'all's current acquisition trends, um, you're on about a 14 and a half year cycle for vehicles. Um, and then we took a look at what maintenance expenses were. Your average cost is around $102 uh, per vehicle per month. And then there were several vehicles that we noticed um, could potentially be considered underutilized, so vehicles that are going less than 5,000 miles a year. And as we dug a little deeper, there are several vehicles we found that could be pulled out of the fleet to reduce the overall fleet number. Um, so what we did is we put together a replacement model, so essentially a 10-year projection of what the fleet would look like if we were to shift to a leasing structure. Um, our recommendation in the first year, and I know this is a busy slide and it's probably kind of small from where y'all are, but um, on the left-hand side, it's a breakdown of the vehicles we recommended replacing in the first year. So they're um, broken down by vehicle type. 
You can see the age is that second column, and then the average mileage on the right is gonna be the average mileage for that vehicle class. So there's 54 vehicles in the county that we recommended replacing. Um, the average age is about 15 years, and the average mileage is around 171,000 miles. Um, the next column that's titled 2021 will essentially be you know, 2022 budget year, but um, there's 54 vehicles. Those are broken down by the classes in which the replacements would fall. You can see there's about seven vehicles that we deemed um, underutilized or we pulled out of fleet when we discussed with the county. Um, over on the right-hand side is the breakdown by department of where those vehicles are going, so the number of vehicles going to each department. Um, so it's spread pretty, uh, pretty evenly across the county um, when you look at the county fleet. And then the next slide shows the sheriff replacements. So again, these are the 37 vehicles that we identified with the sheriff's office that should be replaced first. So there's um, a breakdown again on the left of the type, um, the average age and average mileage. So the average age is about nine and a half years. Average mileage is uh, about 144,000. Um, there's a couple that you'll see um, are showing a little bit lower mileage when you look at the average annual miles. Those were pulled based on age. They were um, significantly aged. One's a passenger van and then one's a smaller sedan. Um, and then over on the right-hand side, you can see what the replacements would look like. So we're targeting 13 full-size sedans, um, a passenger or transport van, and then the breakdown between the SUVs and the pickup trucks as well. Um, so this is a summary of what the replacements would look like for the county and the sheriff. Um, there's uh, just two more slides. So this slide is taking a look at the county vehicles. So essentially what it's doing is pulling all vehicles for the county and putting them into a 10-year replacement model and showing what that would look like. Um, we kind of, the box down at the bottom, the average annual lease cost with equity is what your average annual cost will be when you take into account the resale of the vehicles. So that's taken into account the equity from the sale of your current vehicles, um, and then the equity from the sale of the leased vehicles through Enterprise. Um, you'll see some reductions on the maintenance and fuel side, which will ultimately lead to a lower fleet budget. Um, currently projecting around uh, $1.3 million in savings over a 10-year period from a budget standpoint. Um, and a lot of it comes from operating newer, more efficient vehicles. So that's where a lot of your maintenance costs are going to come from. You're reducing the age of your fleet drastically. Um, the second slide is um, looks very similar, but uh, this is the sheriff vehicles. Um, so again, you can see the, the uh, vehicles replaced in the first year is 37. So that matches up with um, what we showed on that previous slide. Um, again, the savings is not quite as great on the sheriff side because there is a lot of equipment that goes into sheriff vehicles, as you all know. Um, but you can see your average annual cost is around $307,000 when you take into account the um, actual lease cost and then the proceeds from the resale of the vehicles. Um, so those, that's kind of a quick overview of it. I know it's uh, obviously a busy slide and a lot of information to, to kind of put out there for you, but um, it really has become a best practice for a lot of the government entities that we partner with. We partner with entities across, across the country to help with vehicle replacements. So we acquire vehicles on your behalf, directly from the manufacturers with government pricing, and help facilitate the whole process. Can you remind us again of some of those who you serve now that it's kind of in our, our area? Yeah, so we work with um, City of Savannah, um, Effingham County, um, Sorry, St. Mary's, Tybee Island, Walthourville, Pembroke, 
Um, there's several other across Georgia. Those are ones that are pretty close to here. Can we hear from staff? I, I, I commend the commission for looking at it because uh, it, it's been a, a challenge for many years to try to keep the fleet up. And I know we've looked at this one time before and now in your current budget, you've, you've allocated the funds to do that, to get into a good fleet rotation. And uh, I believe it'll put not only Sheriff's Department, but everybody else in a more efficient and safe vehicle. And will significantly reduce your costs over 10 years. Uh, I do think that as far as the, uh, the sale value goes, uh, we've, we've been cautious to estimate those returns. I think that given the limited availability of vehicles right now, we'll probably <laughs> see some better returns than <laughs> the used market is. Uh, and so, uh, yes, sir, with, with your permission, I think I, I, staff's pretty comfortable. Uh, I apologize to Mr. Whiteside for, for Major Kirkendall and I and other staff working no. so hard uh, mm. over the last 90 days, but uh, we've massaged it heavily and, and massaged it again. So. Mm -hmm. Major Kirkendall, you're here. We'll allow you to address it if you want to, sir. Here for since she here, you've been patient too to wait this whole time. Just remember your your own TV now, Bill. <laughs> I'll, I'll do my best. Uh, if I could just add one thing, uh, the the fleet of any law enforcement agency is was one of our most valuable assets, other than our employees, and getting there getting there there safely and expeditiously is is is, is an ongoing problem. Um, in Hinesville, we're managing over 100 vehicles in the vehicle fleet, and we looked at this program, and we made some recommendations. Over here, you know, once again, I mean, the savings of 1.9 million over 10 years, that's substantial. That's, that's not anything to scoff at. So uh, the value that this program adds to us from the Sheriff's Department side, having a company come in, professional organization, and manage our fleet takes one huge burden off of our plates. Mm -hmm. um, we will actually plan on seeing some more returns because we have a fleet manager on staff now. And uh, he actually looks at this equipment. He can change equipment in and out and save every penny that we possibly can moving forward. So some of the equipment costs, we can actually uh, visualize seeing some more savings there as well. But it's a great program. We feel like you know it's, it's, it's best for Liberty County. It's actually a great program. Commissioners, you heard it. Bill, let me ask you a question on this, and Joey too, because you're now in this situation, with you, your direct reports, which would be, I guess, um, all your department heads and Bill, the folks that would work there with uh, the Sheriff's Department, let's just say the car is tore up, you don't want to hear about it. If it's the camp, I mean, if it's, if it's Bill's group, you handle that. If it tears up, if it's a problem, then you communicate with whoever those folks are that we with enterprise and then when it gets time to trade it in you y'all will be making that decision too right yes sir and we've been in close contact with chris throughout the process and that was one of our questions we came because typically if we have a vehicle that gets totaled through the year we can't immediately replace that vehicle if funds are not budgeted they're not there under a lease program we can immediately replace that vehicle and get it back into the, the, the line of vehicles. So uh, overall, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great asset for us. Um, and the other thing is the um, mileage that you brought up, do you have a estimated mileage that you have? Let's just say you, you figure it in Liberty County, you know what your square miles are in Liberty County, but uh, I know there's a lot of people now that they drive them to wherever they live at. And then you have to take that in consideration too. 
when you when you take that from if individual drives two counties over how do you, how do you work that bill i mean he he comes back into the county he's 10 8 and he goes to work i understand that but what, what during that if it's a 20 mile commute to the county line um you know where where are we going to be on that situation right there do you just say that's that's part of it that's benefit hours or that's a benefit for the employee or we actually did an analysis for the city of Hinesville when we switched over to the take home car program and the furthest that anyone was driving a car was 26 miles right and strangely our fuel consumption went down our mileage on the vehicles was was increasing at a rate that was less than previous to the program uh, and really we, we even got with finance and said well how are we saving money on fuel when everybody has a take-home car but what we're seeing is those cars especially the older cars that are using more fuel are being driven less because the average employee is working seven out of 14 days so those cars are now being set aside instead of being hot seated as we call it in law enforcement and constantly on that rotation we're getting longer life out of the vehicles, more economy, and the maintenance costs are greatly reduced. So overall, your fleet program, the, the overall charge for that program is in fact greatly reduced because we have one car per person and it's a take-home car. It actually saves money. Well, yeah, I understand. We, we did the same thing at Georgia Power. I mean, you know, you'd have the, the vehicles and I guess Commissioner Thrift, and they may do it at EMC, but, you know, if that one individual's driving it, he's gonna know if he hears a clunking noise, what it might be or it may not be. But I mean, that, that, that'll that be the decision that you two will work out that make sure that all of that's, when it's time to, if it's got, one's got 25,000 miles on it more than the other and you're gonna say, all right, we need to, you know, we need to go ahead and get this one swapped out. And then you just communicate with this gentleman right here and you get one coming in. Maintenance will be done at, same way it's been done now through county shop first vehicle yes sir okay what and the vehicles are all dodges or fords or no so it's um so really what we do is we will sit down with with the county um and, and decide what the best vehicle with the lowest total cost revenue is we evaluate typically on the government side it's going to be chevy ford and chrysler or they Saronis is what they call themselves now uh which is dodge and ram um, so we're going to look at those two, three, are those three big manufacturers and we request government incentives for each one to determine what the best value is. A lot of it now is going to vary a little bit on availability since, you know, as y'all mentioned, uh, with the dealerships, there's not a lot of vehicles out there. So it, right. it does vary a little by availability, but it'll be a mix of the, the big three. So then you won't be carrying it to the Ford place in Hinesville if it, I guess it'd be under warranty or you would do that? Warranty would remain the same. What did you drive here? A Chevy. Okay. <laughs> hey, yay. Don't start. Hey, you hear that? He did, didn't, even, didn't even drive what he wanted to sell. Now that right there, boy. <laughs> it is at least a truck. They did give us trucks. So I'll take that. <laughs> no, I mean, we always had good luck with them, but I mean, you know, I don't know what y'all span was. I think we, seven years, we, you know, had to turn loose course. Like you said, the engine is running all the time on them. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the question's I, for, I agree with, uh, you know, jo what okay. Joey's saying there. Appreciate you, Joey. One question, well, I guess a uh, point of emphasis. Um, I know we've been working on this for a couple of months now, and we've had the presentation before. Uh, something, I guess, that 
I've been slightly disappointed by is um, I haven't heard anything out of any of these meetings we've had or conversations about this that uh, we didn't haven't said anything about any eco-friendly vehicles, um, electric vehicles, or things that are environmentally friendly. Um, we controlling a big fleet like this, and I know it's uh, a conversation that's going on around the world about trying to go green, you know, and the effects that it has to the environment. Um, I would have thought that we would have looked into maybe exploring part of the our fleet, maybe not the sheriff's uh, department because of the different demand that their cars have, maybe versus some of the other departments that may not put as much mileage or pressure, I guess to say, on their vehicles, that we would either at least entertain looking into the cost efficiency versus a full gas fleet or maybe looking into a part of our fleet being electric cars or hybrid cars. So I guess I could say I was disappointed that we hadn't touched that subject in this conversation. And I don't even know if you offer those cars, but. Yeah, um, absolutely. So that, you know, and the good thing is when you partner with Enterprise on even this, you know, what we propose currently, Enterprise is one of the foremost leaders in providing electric vehicles, and we are on the ground for Enterprise manages a fleet of several million vehicles. So anything when it looks, when we look at electric vehicles, hybrid vehicles, alternative fuel vehicles, you definitely have experts on your team with Enterprise. We're partnering with a lot of different cities to look at electric and hybrid vehicles, and um, when we evaluate total cost of ownership, fuel economy is a huge part of it. We, you know, from what we have seen is over the next couple years, electric vehicles especially, and then more hybrid options are definitely starting to have a place in government fleets. Um, for example, City of Savannah, we just partnered with, took advantage of a huge green initiative, and they're getting several electric and hybrid vehicles through Enterprise, and that is something we can absolutely explore um, what the best option is for, for the county moving forward. We're happy to, to assist with that. Bring that up, Mr. Chairman, because I know some of the vehicles that we use, you know, they parked at the office. You know, they don't go home with separate <laughs> officers. They're not getting 200,000 miles on them a year. Uh, they may be just used right in around town. Mm -hmm. It's not a big radius. Mm -hmm. And say not the entire fleet, but maybe a fourth or tenth of the fleet, something to say that we did touch, mm -hmm. tried to touch that footprint a little bit to explore to see maybe it's something that we would look into more in the future. Um, just something I wanted to throw out since I haven't heard us discuss that yet. I like that idea and I, and I was hoping he was going to bring up the City of Savannah initiative because that was something new that they just started so I think we may could take some learning off of that and especially as, as vehicles ramp back up for production mm -hmm. more available pricing is going to get better but we could start looking at that next year as a matter of fact and just say look over the over the life of the you know the agreement right. that, that it's hoped to go on for several years let's start let's start looking at phasing some things in and trying mm -hmm. I really think there'll be some grants that'll be available too uh, to help us along that way for whether it's electric charging stations or whatever it may be to go with those vehicles so. and how long um is this agreement that we consider and how long is it supposed to be the initial agreement is eight years. 
So every vehicle is set up on its own term. Um, the model that we showed is based on a 10-year model, ten year but there's no, every vehicle is set on its own individual term. Um, typically they are a five-year term on, on a vehicle typically, but some will be cycled sooner than that. So they may not go all the way to term based on resale, that sort of thing. Yeah, so, so the initial agreement with Enterprise is, is expected to be over a 10-year term, which is where all the basis is, but each year, and it goes back to something Commissioner Walden said, each year you sit down and relook at everything and see what, what the year behind has held and what the year held, ahead has held. And, and we have the opportunity to say, okay, we were gonna replace vehicle X in whatever year, may choose to substitute that for some other vehicle uh, and look at those initiatives. That flexibility is there. Absolutely. Flexibility is absolutely. Yeah, about Chevrolet's. <laughs> he asked me the other day, you know, one of those, you're not going to be disappointed if we don't buy Fords, are you? And I say, no, I, you know, it's whatever whatever comes up. Yeah, best deal. Tell me a little bit about best that. Deal. We do see when we start looking at alternative fuel vehicles, too. You know, obviously Chevy or GM and Ford are, are making a big push there and even Chrysler. But we see a lot of, you know, Nissan, Toyota, things like that coming into the alternative fuel space. So we'll evaluate it all and absolutely provide you all with the best you know, recommendation. Well, Bill is an expert on I mean, yeah, it's good to have him mm -hmm. to speak that way, sir. Yes. I don't believe he's ever tore any up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Guaranteed a motion. Yeah. Make Thank that you. Motion that we enter an agreement with Enterprise. Second. Yeah. Motion and second. With the comments that uh, Commissioner Jones made, that we start yes. looking into everybody electric when that that time comes. That's a good catch. That's a good catch. A good catch. All right. All in favor, raise your right hand, please. Those polls. Let's do business. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. You remember our conversation? Absolutely. All yes, right, sir. Thank you. All right, y'all be good. <laughs> Mr. Brown, announcements? Uh, not, nothing major, sir. Just to let you know, there will be a bunch of agreements for y'all to review at the next meeting related to that EMS transition, medical director agreement, a lot of things that are required by law. So we're, we're trying to have those to you. How are we doing with the medical director position? Not the medical director, the director position. Uh, we have a meeting tomorrow afternoon. Okay. Hopefully, uh, wrap that up. Okay. All right, sir. You got something tomorrow? Yes, sir. We are having our graduation for our summer youth program, and uh, we still have some What time is that? Uh, that portion will start at 11. <clears throat> right. Mr. Yeah. You had something? Sir? Well, I, I had a question for Joy. Joy, I was just looking at um, when LCPC was presenting this Adler Grove subdivision, and I, I wrote down a question. You know, they, they do talk about um, HOAs. Every development, every subdivision has a... HOA and, and we know how how they how they work, but are, are HOAs? Um, um, I know you know after five or six years you, you're gonna have the second owner. You know somebody gonna move out. They're gonna start renting, and um, at some point we we end up doing what the HOA um, was designed to do or what they used to do. <clears throat> are HOAs? Um, is there some kind of time? You know, some kind of time 
where you know you you establish an HOA and it goes for you know the duration because if they don't then Clinton and his guys and, and all of us have to um, you know you, you look at those retention ponds and those ponds and the HOA right now that they're, they're going to maintain them you know Zeckman would inspect them and you know they're going there they are more around it or, or whatever but in seven years no, no one is there. You got the third owner living in the house, and, and um, his his backyard backs up to that pond, and, and he wanted cut because there's snakes out there and this and that and other. And um, and Clinton has to go in there and do that. So our HOA, when it's written, it's not really said that you know it's going to be for a timeline. It's just it's just something new. I mean, it's it's something good to, to say you got. It, right. it, it is really, and, and I'm not, and Mr. Moses certainly chime in, he's got a lot of experience too, but uh, I'm not aware of any legal requirement for continuality of an HOA. It mm -hmm. is exactly as you described. Mm -hmm. I can ask Kelly uh, what teeth legally, if there is anything, mm -hmm. that can go into those creations to be sure of. I can yeah. ask him about that. I do know if there's covenants as part of an HOA, those have to be renewed. Mm -hmm. If they fail to be renewed, I think it's like every 10 years, Ten years. 12 years, mm -hmm. then they dissolve. Yeah, because I, I, I know years. my other job, we, we do, we're doing a lot of work where they used to have an, mm -hmm. an HOA. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'll be glad to ask that. After 10 years? Yeah, after 10 years, what I've always heard, too. Yeah. Yeah. You, but, you just you know, assume. And, and, you know, if, after 10 years, that, that could be it. But um, mm -hmm. we're going to have it forever after that. Mm -hmm. yep, you will. Right. Mr. Chairman, one more thing. Mm -hmm. And I know we've talked about it in here before. And um, Commissioner Stevens brought it up and Trent did about our Islands Highway. Um, I don't know if you all read the article about the situation that happened at Tybee the other night where mm -hmm. a young girl mm -hmm. struck by lightning, struck by lightning. Mm -hmm. there was no access to get in there out but one way they didn't couldn't get in with a helicopter because of the wind and things like that we have talked about having that widened or whatever um, I personally had talked with Buddy Carter and mentioned it to him uh, I guess three or four years ago and he said well that's a you know, that's something that we need to be looking at because um, of access, just getting in and out the coast. Now, 20 years or however, how many years it was that that was a state route, you know, and, and now it's a county route. So it's going to fall back to us, and I think we probably um, need to be looking at some type of a letter that's saying, please help. I mean, we don't have a port down there, but it's filling up every day. And um, there's just, the road is narrow, boats are getting wider, and I think we need to try to see if we can get some help to, um, I mean, it's a safety concern, any way you look at it. Um, even the overpass over 95 is, is just as bad. So I think mm. all of the above. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's time for us to yeah. to uh, approach him, and if he says no, then it's no. But if we could get some money on it, we need to do something down there. It's uh, 
I, I hate to go down there, but Commissioner Gillard calls me every Friday morning. <laughs> oh, right. he, he, he hates to go down there. He hates to go down there. What time? Every Friday morning. But we, can we get a can we get a letter? I mean, we could all sign it or do whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't care. I just at least a try. The easiest thing for us to do is nothing, and I think that we need to just move forward with it. I mean, send it to our senators and our representative, but I mean, you know, he's the first That's right. congressional district congressman, so let's just ask. I mean, I'm tired of seeing things go to Tyvee, <laughs> Wilmington Island, the ports. Uh, you know, I, I think we need to yeah. be looking out. I don't need to look at it. I just, I mean, just sign it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I mean, <laughs> yeah, because I know we've been very verbal about the, uh, the bridge at 95, you know, not as much as we have been about doing something about Island Highway, but it, yeah, that's what I have to say. You know, it takes a while for the, the wheels of government to, well, I'm, to I'm, turn. Well, I know it does, but mm -hmm. every time I turn around, they're down there getting their picture taken, you know, with yeah. them daggone cranes unloading containers. <laughs> Which is a good thing. It helps us too, but you're right. We need to. When we left um, the first district, we, we went to, um, came back up and went into Bryan County. And uh, I mean, I, I've never even been back there. Um, Eddie told me I had no idea where we were going, but man, they got all the, kind of. The new exit. Roads, all kind of yeah. roads and everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but all those things, because uh, we've done our homework, had been on the dockets for a while, so you're right. We don't ever stop. We'll never get there. Well, right. We'll I mean, there. And I have. I, I took it upon myself just to mention it to him, and and, uh, and it was at one time he had a town hall meeting on, on the telephone, and I just told him it. Yeah. Of course, you know, they'll forget you. Because mm -hmm. the, the new exit at Bryan County was on the dockets for at least 10 years, I know. Yeah. You yeah. talking about the interchange? The new one they have? Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, they had it when when uh, the young lady left the development authority in Hinesville. Yeah. It didn't take long for her yeah. to get it over there and get some rocks moved. <laughs> so. well, I think that may have been in motion before she got yeah. over there. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Just got a couple of things. Um, we talked about it at our retreat. We haven't gotten any action. I know you've been busy. The county attorney has been busy, I think. We talked we talk about our charter. The what? We could ch can we change the charter? Mm -hmm. I mean, if we need a clerk, that's one thing. If we don't need one. Yeah. Let's do it away with it. Executive.
where's our charter? I mean, where, the charter, where's, have you got a copy of it? Can you email it? Uh, yeah, let me read it. And also, uh, Mr. Brown, uh, we need to go back and look at the animal. situation that we you probably familiar with that would come under the code enforcement the one with a bunch of dogs Mm-hmm. Magistrate. But has the owner made any adjustments since he's been cited? No. I was hoping on their own they would. Really? Okay. But I mean, for the smell, mm. the neighbors out there have to endure. Right. And the barking and all the time of night. Okay, Mr. Chairman, you entertain a motion to adjourn? Second. Second. All in favor? Aye. Thank you. Good meeting. All right. <laughs>